2: This is the Wally and Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Now here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hi,
0: everybody. I'm Brent Wallace. He's Mark Mathot. Now not the only player to be shafted by the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, it's, And, Matt, I got to apologize. If I seem off today, it's because last night at 4.45 a.m., my smoke detector goes off. And it's not just Ugh. like a beep. It's a flashing light. So it's like this strobe light. So I wake up and I don't know what's going on. I like am completely phased. So I'm stumbling out of bed to figure it says it's yelling fire. So now I think like the house is on fire. So I'm I mean, that's stum- not funny. I should
1: laugh. Yeah. No, Keep but it, going. Sorry. it
0: is at the end. So I like and all of all sudden my daughter's up and she's coming at me with a flashlight. So there's more lights. going. It's like a dance club. So I, I go down the stairs. I miss a step and then I go to the basement. It's still going. And now I think all the neighbors know because the windows are open. Oh boy. finally get to the bottom of the stairs. Nothing. N- there's no smoke. There's no smell of smoke. There's nothing. And it goes off. So after 30 seconds
1: of sheer panic, it's over with. And then I'm and like, the I'd worst, ha- the worst bit of that, Wally, is that it's so hard to go back to sleep afterwards. I've been through it before. Yeah. Too. It's brutal. I know. Your mind's just like scrambling going like, what just happened? I, so I,
0: I can't, I couldn't get back to sleep. So anyway, yeah. if I seem a little uh, groggy, that is why. Absolutely. You oh, look good.
1: You look good. I, look good.
0: I, <laughs> I didn't know what happened. I still don't know what happened. But anyway, uh, this is the Wally Mathot show. Of course, check out the new lineup of BFC custom vehicles at Barhaven Ford or go to barhavenford.com. Also visit them 555 dealership drive in Barhaven. I um, meth. lots to talk about today. And we are also going to talk about going on a little summer holiday. Uh, but first up, Christian Molana is going to stop by. He's working on his swagger in L.A. And of course, uh, he gives us a great interview. Lots of fun stuff, but also some real honesty. From Christian Willan, and we'll have a chat with him. That's brought to you by Whitewater Beer, the official drink of the Wally and Mathot upcoming summer break. Math, Um, use the Wally Mathot coupon code and get fifteen percent off your order when you shop Whitewater.ca, and enjoy your own break if you will. Uh, Three for three is back. I'm going to ask you about who you think is going to lead the Sens in scoring this year, Um, Mm. and do all those free agent signings and the nearly billion dollars spent change your mind? on who you think is going to be the now the stanley cup contender uh and of course that's brought to you by sportsinteraction.com slash thought but first as always meth, it's the headlines let's get right to a busy day of the nhl so uh number one your daddy's gone you get any dead enough leaving for vegas he and that two-year 10 million dollars left on his contract dj gets a payday dj smith signs an extension to stay in ottawa molson excuse me uh, Jeff Molson releases a statement on Logan Mayu. Didn't go over very well, as you'd expect. Uh, summer loving, talking about all those free agents that went on the move. Nearly $800 million in deals in day one, and then mishandling in goal. I'm going to get your thoughts on how uh, the Vesna Trophy winner was treated by the Vegas Golden Knights before being traded to Chicago. So let's start at number one. Your daddy's gone. I don't know how he did it. This may be the move of Pierre Dorian's career so far, and that is Yevgeny Dadinov and his two years and $10 million left on that contract is gone. And they bring in Nick Holden, a serviceable NHL player. Uh, Your thoughts on, do you know Nick Holden, by the way, you played in Columbus. I do.
1: I do. Yeah. I played with him. So I'm the perfect guy to ask about Nick Holden and and obviously played against him too. When he was in New York during that 2017 run, but um, on Dadinov, man, what a good move, right? I think (laughs) when we were doing up our lineup a week or two ago, I felt compelled or rather inclined that I had to put him into the list somewhere. But I remember making a joke, thinking like, I'm only putting him in there because he's available and they have to play him. But if it was up to me, I wouldn't have him in the lineup. And sure enough, um, you know, Pierre does a really good job of shedding that contract two years at 5 million per is tough. And for, for the output that we got out of that player last year, I think it's just time to move on. I don't think the fit was good here. I think the intent on signing him was proper and, and understandable uh, based off of the numbers and how well he was doing in Florida. But, of course, it just didn't pan out in Ottawa. So the return, well, right now we got two defensemen that are coming in, but the return specifically to off with Holden, um, I think it's a great move. Nick Holden's a good player. Uh, he's a good, really good guy, too. I think that's something that I can't emphasize enough. He's just a nice, nice person. I got to play with him in Columbus. He was very young, of course, at the time. When I was younger as well, I think, he, I, think I got a couple of years on him. But in any case – uh, just very reliable. he proved that he's a good player in big games. We saw what okay. he did in Vegas during the playoffs didn't play a lot of regular season hockey that during the year but um, I know relatively pretty durable player that can provide some reliable and, and effective numbers too. I mean he put up some points in the postseason so um, he's a big game player really I think he is and I think I like that signing or trade rather more than acquiring delzato and I, nothing against yeah. delzato I think that's another really good pickup that we'll get to in a second but specifically Wally, with Nick Holden, I'm a huge fan of that move. Did you just sign Dougie Hamilton? No, you did not. Yeah. But you've got a very reliable guy. It's a low risk move. It's a one year deal. I, I just think for for what we were looking for, it clogs up the left side on D. We'll get to that in a second too. But for now, Wally, I'm just a huge fan of the move. I think I think it'll work out well, and possibly maybe you can extend him depending on the year he has.
0: I feel like our headlines will be about two hours today. Uh, Nick Holden, by the way, <laughs> six foot four. Uh, 212 pounds, so great size, only yeah. $1.7 million in cap space. Uh, yeah. and also Ottawa acquired a third in that deal. So 513 games for Nick Holden,
1: but 152 mm. pims. Does that mean he's not a very physical player? He's not. So he's not super physical, but he's an honest player and he does play hard. So if he has an opportunity to finish a player in the corner, he's going to do that. He will. Is he very physical? No, he's not, but he can move the puck and he's smart with the puck in his own D zone. He'll make those good outlet passes. Um, He's a good skater. And as I mentioned earlier, he's just reliable. He's a guy that you won't necessarily notice every night. And that's probably a good thing. So again, we're going to have to wait and see how he does and, and, and how does this shape up during training camp? I don't know. Like you look at that left side with Shabbat, Holden, Delzado, Brandstrom, Mete right now, they're going to have to get rid of one of them first of all, but you know, I'm assuming when you go out and acquire a player like Nick Holden through a trade, and then, of course, Del Zotto through a free agency, I mean, you got to assume they're going to be playing. So, I mean, where does that lead well, Brandstrom and Mete? I don't know. But I know Holden can play either side, Yeah, so that might actually add a little more flexibility, and then maybe that slides uh, Josh Brown down off the lineup as, a, as an extra, as a seventh. But I don't know. It'll be interesting see, to see what they have planned. I'm not convinced that Josh Holden isn't the seventh or eighth. And as we all know, you
0: can't have enough depth defense. Wait, but wait, wait but who?
1: You said Josh Holden. You mean sorry, Nick Holden? Nick
0: Holden. My apologies. Like yeah, Nick yeah. Holden was on waivers twice last year. He didn't go yeah. claimed. Uh, he played 17 games, spent most of it on the taxi squad, averaged 15 minutes. Like, I think yeah. he's that depth guy, and there's no disrespect to him. I just think that that's where he fits in. And you need those guys and you need that size. We talked about them, that left side not having size on it. Right.
1: So, if Josh, I agree with you there. But if Josh Brown does play, if Josh Brown continues his play the way he finished the year, he'll be in the lineup. There's no question. And we know DJ's a big fan of his, played for DJ and Junior. There's there's a bit of a a familiarity there with the coach, which, quite frankly, is very important in the NHL a lot of times when it comes to getting opportunity. So, you're right, Wally. There might, be an opp- there might be a chance that Holden starts off as your extra. But I, I look at that D lineup, it's, it's pretty thin still. Yeah. Uh, there's opportunity. And I really, truly believe that all these spots are going to be fought for, for the exception of maybe three positions, when you look at like Shabbat, Zaitsev, Zub. Yeah. I think otherwise, the rest of that structure on D, the way they're going to play out, will come down to how well they play in training camp. You know, those exhibition games are going to be very important nothing's going to be handed to these guys. No spot is really certainly um, cemented right now on the back end. So really we can, we can talk about it right now and assume and make all these assumptions, but really it'll come down to how they perform in training camp.
0: Well, you know, the other thing and we always overlook it cause we never expected or want to talk about it, injuries. Right. So
1: yep, I think sure. that
0: right. That blue line just continues to evolve and move around. Cause it's six guys and one guy goes down it throws everything into a bit yeah. of whack. Right. Like I think, yeah, and, they, you- and, and, and no longer that taxi squad. So you've got, I, you just got to have these guys around, and I oh, yeah, I, I, I like this no Nick question. Holden move a whole yeah. lot more. And you've talked about it too, than the Michael Delzato free agent signing. So, let's get into Delzato. So, first of all, yeah, he's a former first round pick, 2008 by the Rangers, went 20th overall. Yeah, and he spent last year in Columbus going there on a PTO and getting a job. Good for him, got a $700,000 yeah. salary. Now, they Ottawa just signed him for two years at $2 million per. I don't yeah. get the math. Can you explain it to me?
1: Well, he, he had a... So so last year was sort of like another tryout year for him, kind of like what you saw with Cody CC when we moved him, signed a lesser deal, and now he's been rewarded with another deal. And and, and it's almost not an exception with Delzado, where he actually had a pretty good season in Columbus last year. His numbers were pretty decent. Uh, his zone exits were pretty good. He played a simple game. And he's not that old, right? Now, my only issue and concern... And again, I can understand it because I've been hurt quite often as well when I played. But he hasn't exactly played a ton of games given the length of his career, right? I mean, he's been known to get hurt occasionally and maybe not always super durable, but that could also be a, you know, the way he plays. And not that I would assume he's overly physical, but again, he's a reliable D-man. He's not that he's not that old. He's still got some mileage on him. And more importantly, you got another veteran presence on that back end. So not only do you bring in a player like Holden, who, by the way, like I said, a character person, but you bring in another player in Delzato that can provide a little more leadership, uh, just a player that you can rely on to eat some minutes. And if if they can bring him in and just play a simple game, not try to reinvent the wheel, he'll do himself a favor and he will earn every bit of that deal that he just signed. And that's all he has to do. He doesn't have to worry about nerves. He doesn't have to worry about any of that stuff. Just go in there. Compliment whoever you're playing with, make simple plays, and people will be very pleased with you. And that's that's the mindset that he's gonna have to have when he comes into Ottawa. That's all they're looking for is just sound play out of both those players.
0: 710 games for Michael Delzato, playing yep. on the Rangers, Nashville, Philadelphia, Vancouver, Anaheim, St. Louis, Columbus, and now Ottawa. a lot of teams. A lot of teams. Uh, averaged almost 18 minutes last season. <laughs> okay, so here's the argument that you're gonna hear a lot from Sens fans. And yeah. I think it's more about Branstrom than it will be Victor Met is Michael Delzato. And don't laugh at me when I say it better than Eric Branstrom on the Ottawa Senator blue line.
1: Ah, uh, that's uh, uh, right now. I think he is. And I only say that because Branstrom is still trying to trying to kind of figure out his game and he's yeah. still finding his way. So it's an unfair question because you've got a very young player that hasn't reached a ceiling yet or even close to it and Delzato, you know what you have with him. He's not going to get any better. He won't probably get any worse. He's the player that he was last year, hopefully. And if he is, in fact, the player that we acquired from Columbus, or rather that we acquired over free agency from Columbus in a yeah. sense, then we'll be very pleased with that. And that'll be a good signing. That's what it comes down to. I don't like the comparison because they are different. I, um, I <laughs> but, but you know but, what but, fans are going to be, right? Like they're going to want no, and, either Delzado or Branstrom in the lineup. And I know the Twitter world is big on Branstrom and Mete. And yeah. I, to a degree, am, especially with Mete, I thought he was pretty good for us. But I also know what adrenaline does to a player when you go to a new team mid-season, you tend to play out of your mind a little bit. And then you settle into your game and your true self comes out for, you know, over the course of an entire year. So again, we can speculate all we want, but it'll come down to training camp. I'd love to be there to watch them in camp just to see who's kind of showing up. And, and and a lot of times as a player, when you go to training camp, you the first thing you do is you look at the teams, right? Camp will be about 60 players, give or take, and they divide it into three teams and they'll have you paired up with a player that you potentially could be playing with projection-wise. So these players are going to show up at camp They're going to look at this fancy little booklet that's given to them that barely gets looked at, by the way, from the players. But there's a lot of time and effort gets put into them. They're going to look and see who they're paired up with. And usually that is a bit of an indicator of where the team feels you're at as far as depth goes in the organization. So it'll be interesting. We can speculate. but We won't know until training camp.
0: Do you remember the first time you got paired with a regular NHL D-man at camp?
1: Yeah, I think that would have been my second year, my second second or third training camp, but I didn't end up making the team that year. So, um, again, it, it can speak volumes, but at the end of the day, yeah. it comes down to, first of all, how you do in your fitness testing. That's always very important. But I always joke about that because all the players that finish high in the fitness testing, it doesn't really mean shit once games start, right? Once the, once the exhibition games start, nobody cares that you did 15 pull-ups or 20 pull-ups. They care about your on-ice production. So, really... Yeah. Uh, this is going to be a big audition, especially on that back end for the defenseman. And there's a lot of pressure on them, but that's a good thing. And it's a good problem to have
0: uh, a little note on Michael Delzato before we move on to the next one. And that is his first NHL goal came in his second NHL game, October 3rd, 2009. Why does that matter? It was a game winning goal scored against the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> There, there's your little bit of trivia for today. (laughs) A Uh, little fun fact. I try to do some work every once in a while. Uh, Number two, DJ gets a payday. DJ Smith uh, gets signed to a two-year plus one extension. Uh, Pierre Dorian said it was his biggest signing of the day. Tough to argue, probably. Uh, DJ Smith seems to be the right guy in place for where this team is headed.
1: Yeah, and I think the players players like him, right? And I think that's what it comes down to. Do they respect the coach? And if they do... No issue there. Extend them, and that's what it comes down to. And and of course, how do you argue with what he just did this past year? They started off poorly, based off of their personnel mo for the most part, and lack of goaltending, which was huge. And that's something completely out of the coach's hands. And the team found their way after after that midway point. They just started trending upwards, and things were going very well. So good for DJ. Uh, I'm happy for him. I think he deserves it. Players seem to resonate with him. So. Um, I I don't really have anything else to add to that. I think it's a a low-risk move by the Ottawa Senators, and it means it's a good show of faith that they trust him. I would have liked for them to have done it sooner, but it's done now, and everybody can rest easy.
0: Do you not find it interesting that the general manager just signed the coach to an extension, yet the general manager doesn't have an extension?
1: Yeah, and I'm sure it's coming, because for the most part, I think Pierre's done a pretty good job. I mean, again... Let's face it, his hands are okay, tied wait off wait a second. His, his hands can we just go
0: back are, to next se- last season when they brought in good Branson and Haley and Stepan and Coburn and all yeah. these guys are gone.
1: I'm and, not arguing with that. And Dadov, I, I, like, I thought some of those, I thought some of those were shit signings, like straight up, I'll just say it. And some of them were head scratchers even in the moment. Dadinov, I can't criticize. And it's easy to armchair coach and GM, obviously, yeah. but I think but it's our jobs, so we're gonna do it. And um, with Dadanov, I thought it was a pretty good move initially. Uh, I think everybody did. I think every media person and, and fan thought it was a good play just because he was a, he did such a good job in Florida. But there were some other questionable moves, and I won't call out those players, but I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of them only because they weren't exactly game breakers before they got to Ottawa. So lo and behold, you go to a, a young you know, uh, learning team, inexperienced team and well, shocker, they're not doing very well here either. And of course you got to either buy them out or move them whenever you can. So we shed all those players. We moved on from that. They were just players to bring in as veteran leadership, some experience to insulate your young guys. And for the most part, it probably did the job. Obviously the games didn't matter as much as we all like to think they did. It was an opportunity for the team to grow as the team grew they got rid of some of those players. We can all move on from that now. But on Pierre's topic, I mean, what do you want to do? I mean, we're playing for a team where, you know, it's it's a small market team. We're not spending up to the top. So you have to manage your assets as best as you can. Drafting is incredibly important. Mm. So hats off to the drafts, excuse me, half off to the chief scout and the draft team. They've done a great job with all the scouts. But yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, Pierre's hands are tied for the most part. He's uh working with, you know, a short budget. And I think given that circumstance, if they can at least sign Kachuk here moving forward, show a, a sign of faith towards the fan base, things will be okay. People will be happy. And that's really all it comes down to. Is your fan base happy? I think they will be if they can sign our future captain.
0: Not if they start off two and fifteen again or two and thirteen like they did last I year. I agree. But and they and they very well may.
1: And I think people are gonna be surprised. People think, well, this team, look at the way they finished. Listen clean slate for all these teams. Every organization in the NHL right now is talking like this. They all have high expectations. This is the year. We have to understand that there's got to be a level of patience in a rebuild. Hopefully they can Hopefully, they can start off stronger than last year, but it wouldn't surprise me if they were around 500 for the first 10 games.
0: Yeah, every team thinks they're Stanley Cup champions or contenders at the beginning exactly. of the season, right? Or at least that's always yeah. they say. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, moving on, and this one's another, like, again, uh, read the room. Molson, uh, the owner and president and CEO of the uh, Montreal Canadiens, Jeff Molson, comes out releases a statement on Logan Mayu. Now, yeah. there's a couple of things about this statement. One is the timing of this statement. It came in the middle of the busiest day on the NHL calendar, arguably, with it being free agent day. And two, yeah. uh, saying that they're not going to bring Logan Mayu to camp or main camp or rookie camp. Well, that's <laughs> fine. They, 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 who cares? So this is a hollow... Uh, to me a hollow letter that rings that doesn't say anything that it needs to say and it's Mm. all damage control and I don't know if it's still enough
1: yeah I don't know either I mean and how do you I mean you dig yourself a hole the moment you pick them right (laughs) yeah they've now had to release two statements on this draft I know and now and now it's just it's just sheer damage control and and listen, we're in Montreal, we're talking Montreal here. Like the media is pretty relentless. Yeah. They're going to be all over the story. It's not going to die anytime soon, certainly not by training camp, right? Assuming that he goes or doesn't go, depending on what they're doing. But I know that it's low risk and it's easy for them to say, well, he doesn't need to come to camp because he's such a young player. He probably won't be on that team anyway. Exactly. So he'll need another year in junior or whatever. So I think, you know, it's easy for them to say that. I do appreciate the fact that at least Molson addressed it and didn't stay hidden which is good.
0: No, he I would had like
1: because the advertisers, Saint I know, Hubert, I know, uh, I know. What is so, it because so who, that all these guys, I understand. Like, Whoa, I understand. And that's fine. That's what I'm saying. Not only that, I would love it if people stop criticism. I want people to stop crucifying the kid. He made a mistake. He, he's, oh, I can't swear. He, he screwed up the critic, the, the immediate criticizing. I understand. Absolutely. He made a huge mistake. And the victim, this girl's got to deal with this bullshit every day now. And it's brutal. I can only imagine. But let's focus our critis- the criticizing and all the criticism to the team, the GM, the ownership, whatever. And forget that we- I think we're losing sight. Some people are losing sight that we're talking about a 17-year-old boy here. Like he's not he's not a man just yet. He's not an adult just yet. We all, no one's perfect. I think if we all look back on our past, there are some moments where we could probably criticize ourselves. And this kid's in the public eye. I'm not absolving him of anything. He made a major mistake. But I think if we're all mad, let's direct that anger towards the team right now, which I think for the most part, people are starting to do, which is good. We need to hold them accountable because Logan went out made it public. Please don't draft me. He released a statement. Didn't want to be a part of it. He's doing what he can. I can't speak on how he feels or what, where his head's at. Or if his apology was a legitimate one. I don't know that. I don't know the answer. I'm not in his head, but I can speak on the team. They made a mistake. They probably shouldn't have picked him. That was stupid. And now this girl is seeing all this news. It's always coming back up into the light as we talked about on our last show. And she has to deal with that. So, you know, it's a screw up all around. I don't know how you fix this, Wally. I have no idea. I know Craig made a really good post. He made a good point yesterday about it on his Twitter account. And I agree with with all the criticism people are doing. I, I, I think that it's warranted. Now you're in major damage control. You've got this kid who's taking grenades in the trenches every week. The girl, same thing. She's, she's seeing all this news pop up. Granted, she's in Sweden, but I'm sure yep. she's still hearing about it because we're talking about the National Hockey League. So yep. the whole thing stinks. I don't like it. I hate talking about it. I really do. I hate I hate. I hate fueling it and then bringing right. it back to light. I hate doing this. It just. It's not fun.
0: But you talked about, uh, and this wasn't the point of the conversation, but you're talking about Logan Mayu taking grenades on a daily basis. Well, I can think that there's an awful lot of people that are okay with that because she's having to deal with the same thing. So like I uh, said, right. And it's a tough thing obviously to go through. I I just, I'm disappointed that uh, a professional hockey team or a professional organization and one that's as so well-respected, I think as the Montreal Canadiens found themselves mired in the middle of this and could only think of one thing, and that's trying to win a hockey game. Because that's the sure. only reason you would make this move, and that's yeah. the problem I have with this. There's no yeah, repercussions. Sure. There's very few repercussions for Logan mayo when he's going to sign a deal probably close to a million dollars and well, be drafted in the first round. Uh,
1: yeah, I uh, totally agree. But, uh, like, I feel like we keep glossing over the fact that he's literally being crucified now, which is fine. Like, you know, you've, you make a mistake. you got to pay the piper for it. But, I mean, let's do – let's – Pump the brakes on the whole, well, there's no repercussions. There's been some repercussions. His name's literally been dragged now for two weeks, and it, it'll continue, and it won't yeah. stop. And that's fine. I'm not necessarily defending him. I'm just saying, like, I get it, We, but, like, let's try to be level-headed about this. Let's keep in mind that he's 17. Direct your anger towards the organization for drafting a player who went on record to say he didn't want to be picked. Yeah. He's made his mistake He's paying for it every day. He's probably probably doesn't want to leave his basement. Like, think about it. Think about it. And the same thing. No, I wouldn't. It goes both ways. So I I just think if you're going to be angry, we he knows he, he knows he fucked up. It's a big deal. He knows that. He's reminded of it anytime he talks to anybody or pokes his head out of his house. Let's focus our anger on the team and the GM and the ownership, if if you're so inclined and criticize them and force them to make good of this. And I don't know how you do I it. I don't know. But terrible I mean, situation. people, everybody deserves a chance. I don't know that Montreal is deserving of that right now. So they're going to keep up with this pressure they're getting from the media and fan base, and it's yeah. just going to go on for a while.
0: Yeah, it's a terrible situation all around. And, and I don't know how it all plays out, that's for sure. So, um, yeah. all right, moving on, because I don't know how else to get out of that. And that is, yeah. uh, we'll talk about all the free agent signings and all the players that were on the move. I, I can't list them all because there's just way too many. But,
3: it's but an like understatement nearly
0: 800 million dollars <laughs> in deals on day one um, yeah. so i'm just going to take you through a couple of these teams that have made significant roster changes and i'm curious of where you think perhaps the, the team did the best and i'll go with the Habs first of all aside from all that my use stuff is chris weidman yeah. david Savard on the blue line mike hoffman up mm-hmm. front the flyers go with listen to the flyers They've done, added Keith Yandel, Ryan Ellis, Rasmus Ristalina, Nate Thompson, Martin Jones, Cam Atkinson, Adam Glendening, all within the last few days. The Bruins, Thomas Nosek, Nick Foligno, Eric Holla, uh, Forbert, and then the Canes went with D'Angelo, Levo, Ian Cole, Freddie Anderson, which I will have to figure out, Ethan Baer and uh, Ranta. Like, uh, there's a lot of teams that have done an awful
1: lot of work. The Philadelphia Flyers yeah. are number one. Where, what surprises you? Well, there's a lot of teams that have made a lot of, well, we're not, and we're talking a lot of role players here, right? Like guys that, and some, some of them are legitimate. I'm not saying they're all grinders and plowers or whatever you want to call them, but um, you know, these are, these are just role players that you're bringing in to fill spots in the lineup. And some of them will be impact players. when I say impact, I mean, legitimate offensive impact players, but like, for example, with Montreal, and I'm going to touch on mostly teams that are nearby because mostly our fan base only cares about that. But I think with Montreal, first of all, can we just comment on Chris Weidman getting a chance here? I'm so yeah. happy for him to get an opportunity now. He's going to go to Montreal. He won KHL Defenseman of the Year. He deserves this. This is this is great. It's This is not charity. This is a player that's literally put in the work yeah. and is deserving of that move. And they, they add David Savard as well. David goes in there who's going to be highly motivated, being a French-Canadian, get to play on his team that he grew up watching and idolizing. Uh, the, like that can't be said. And I can, I can speak on that where when you go play to a place that's special to you like that, when my case was when I came to Ottawa, mm. you're just highly motivated. You're never lacking that. So though. And, and then again, with Wyden on his little redemption tour and finally getting an opportunity, those are two players that I think will be impact guys Hoffman, a guy that can put up 30 goals. I mean, yes, there are knacks to him with his defensive play, of course, but you're going to get a true sniper who is very confident who's going to go into a market. that's going to keep them honest and it's going to keep them on his toes and motivated. I like those moves. I really do. I think that's huge. So I like what Montreal did there. Do I still see that team being a team that makes it to the Stanley cup final? I think it's a long shot for that group. They've got some serious injuries. You're going to lose your captain. You're going to lose Shea Weber. Is Kerry price going to be the same player? I don't know, but, but I do like, but I do, but I do like the moves. So as far as the the, the the free agent signings and acquire and acquisitions that Montreal made, I'm a fan of. I like the players too on a personal level. So we'll see how that plays out.
0: Uh, you so you brought up Mike Hoffman and uh, his defensive game. Is there a lot of thirty goal scores that you know of that play defense though? No,
1: exactly, and that's why. And he's 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 sort of one of those outliers where I don't understand how he's flip flopped from so many teams. I watched him play. Yeah he's he's not that bad defensively. Oh coaches have always disliked him though. I know and 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 it's sometimes it can be a bit of a body language thing. Mm-hmm. Um you know and 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 of course he's hungry to shoot the puck and, I, and but he can deliver too right? I mean it's not like It's not like he's Ovi just standing there, like not moving on the top of the circle, you know, with no bend in his D, just waiting for a one T. I mean, he moves around a little bit. I think it could be sometimes his lack is, is, if you will, his lack of competitiveness. that really shows on the eye test when you're watching him. I don't know what his analytics are, so I can't speak on that. I'm sure somebody could offer that up for us. But um, again, to me, it's a bit, it's a low risk signing, but you know, with some high, high potential there, where you'll get a lot of feedback from him, a lot of good stuff, uh, a lot of goals, hopefully, where, you know, he can pro- provide a little bit of that offensive spark that perhaps they needed. We all saw it. They were winning games by only, you know, by two, three goal games. So maybe he can kind of get them over that hump. That's wishful thinking, but I do think it's a good sign. Is Dougie Hamilton worth nine mil a year? Uh, I was wondering if you are going to ask me that, because I know that we had brought his name up a little bit with Ottawa at some point, which I knew, of course, he would never sign here. No, but um, you know, I think he is. I mean, he's a good player. And and right now, when you look at some of the deals floating around the NHL, did they overpay a little bit? Yeah, for sure. And of course, shocking, free agency guys are getting overpaid. Anybody at free agency, for the most part, who gets any type of deal, have we, as we've seen over the last 10 years, always after about three or four seasons, that contract looks bad. It's almost always going to happen. So I think teams are aware of this, but you're hoping for in that short term, you're going to get some good output if you're vying for a Stanley Cup, if you're still a competitive team. And so that's what's happening here with Dougie Hamilton. They knew what they were going to get out of him. Um, He's established. He's at the peak of his game right now, defensively, offensively, if you will, as a defenseman. You got to pay for those guys and they're, they're paying up.
0: Uh, and one more before we get on to the next topic, uh, Boston Bruins. I mean, they've added Thomas Noshik, Nick Felino, Eric Hall. Yep. Like they've had some, they, now they have some question marks in goal, obviously with Tuka Rass now going through surgery.
1: Well, and Mike know. Riley, they signed Mike Riley,
0: right? Yep. Does he get three years, three mil, something like that? Yep. Um, yep. Are they back to being a Stanley
1: Cup contender or is oh. it too much of a void in goal? I can see, I got a buddy in Ottawa here. His name's Ziad and he's like a diehard Bruins fan. Diehard. So he was texting me yesterday, asking about <laughs> some of these acquisitions and what I thought. And we talked about the Riley pick and, or the Riley signing. And I thought, I don't know, like I saw I saw Riley play in Ottawa. And I'm, I was surprised that he, you know, had he even yes. given a deal, maybe over a million a year for two years, something short term. I mean, they got a very small sample size. And I talked about earlier, Wally, on the show with players that get acquired or go to a new team. When you're running on that sheer adrenaline as a player, you're playing out of your mind. It's just the yep. way it is, right? Yep. I could be wrong here with Riley, but I'd be surprised if that actually if that actually plays out. That one worries me a little bit. Three years, $3 years 3000000 a year. I don't know. But Cody Cece signed a deal similar I, to that, see, right? So I was she, just going to ask you, who would you rather take? Uh, Right now I think I'd rather take Cease. I played with Cease. I know people can harp on him a little bit, but Cody Cease has proven that he can play 20 to 25. He was playing 25 minutes a night with us during that 2017 run with Dion Phaneuf. He can still play. He'll make some mistakes here and there. That's fine. Would I like to see Ceaser play a little more physical? Yes, but that's not him. That's not in his DNA. He's just a reliable guy, almost kind of like Holden actually. Only difference between him and Holden, of course, is that Holden's a little taller and a bigger player. But they're not killers out there, but they're can they minute eaters. They go out there, and if you could just try to drive home with these players to keep it simple, focus on your defensive play, on that first pass out of the zone, they'll pan out. So if Mike Riley, going back to what we were talking about, can do those things, which I don't think he will do, but if he can, (laughs) he'll earn that that contract. But, I mean, to pay a player that can only be an offensive threat – not overly offensive, might I add. That's a risky move, but teams have to do it, right? you got to fill your roster with players. At the end of the day, if you're nitpicking all these guys, you won't be able to stay below the cap. You know, you're going to have to overpay for your whole lineup. So you have to take risks if you're a general manager. And some of these GMs throughout the league, as we've seen, are doing these things, and they're taking risks with some of these players. And that's to be, that's to be expected. We saw that with Otto, with Dell's Otto It's going to happen. you got to fill yeah. your lineup with some experienced guys. And that's what's happening.
0: It I mean, it's an interesting thing to watch the Bruins because I'm not sure how much better they are. If they can they've also got Taylor Hall, they've said like it's an interesting yeah. dynamic if they are all I don't know, are they too old? I am I just want to see how Boston plays this. Well, time. they're they
1: gotta they gotta hang on, right? And and, yeah. and when you have a core group of guys, you've got you know these players that have been that are experienced that have been winning. With of course, I don't need to name them in Boston. You have to keep trying, right? You have to keep yeah. attempting to win, you gotta take advantage of that as while you can. And They're still in a win now mode, if you will, or at least make the playoff mode. And anytime you have an opportunity to make that postseason, prime example in Montreal, I think as a fan base, you have to understand the GM's just got to go for it. And you got to keep doing that until you're clearly out of the mix and all your core group is kind of moving on and retiring. And right now they're still in it.
0: Uh, finally last topics. I know Craig is like, when are they ever going to finish? Is uh, (laughs) It's going on. Yeah. Mishandling and goals. Uh, I know you you didn't like your time, your five days with Vegas and how you felt dealt with. Uh, this seems a little excessive. The Vezda Trophy winner finds out on Twitter he's been traded to Chicago. Then it yeah. becomes, is he going to retire? Is he going to play? Uh, what was your reaction to f- reading how this all played out? And Bill Foley, the owner of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, just simply said it came down to a cap issue and we had to make a
1: move. Yeah, well, that reminds me. It's funny because everybody all of a sudden was all, outraged because he got he found out over Twitter listen I found <laughs> out that I was traded to the Ottawa Senators over Twitter 11 years ago this is nothing new this happens all the time I was having a, I was throwing a candidate party in the backyard of my house it was July 1st it was around noon or sorry twelve thirty, and my friends were about two hours out from coming over and lo and behold Bob McKenzie tweets out the Bob father himself Mark Mathot has been moved to the Ottawa Senators for Nick Foligno. So, you know what? This is nothing new. Of course, right after winning the Vezina Trophy, it might be a little more significant than Mark Mathot from the Columbus Blue Jackets moving (laughs) to the Ottawa Senators. But it happens. These guys find out so quickly. And we've talked about this before. People feed this information to the general manager, excuse me, to the insiders. The insiders, they're doing their job. They need to be the first person to post the trade And that's how they win the sweepstakes. So that's what happened. And that's it's not just exclusive to hockey. It happens everywhere. So am I surprised that they got rid of Marc-Andre Fleury? A little bit. Am I surprised that Marc-Andre Fleury found out over Twitter? Yes and no. I think that they should have made it a point to just tell him immediately that he was moved. They did not. Um, Now, I think McCrimmon came out and, and made it public after the fact that they had been discussing this with Fleury. Am I correct? With Alan Walsh's group? I believe they were going back and forth and they were warning them that they were exploring it. Is that
4: true?
0: Yeah. So, well, the one thing McCrimmon did say was, the rumors hit Twitter before I spoke to Marc-Andre Fleury. We hadn't begun the trade call. We would never speak to a player before you got to the trade call in case things don't unfold. So, Right. See, I I never got any warning. But anyway. yeah. (laughs) So, but the interesting part of all that was, Uh, It's the first time to the day, I think in 20 years that the reigning Vezina trophy winner was traded uh, before the, on the, before the following season. And And that, yeah. And that to me,
1: yeah, exactly. And that to me is the most surprising thing. It's like, okay. So you just traded your Vezina trophy winner. Like I, and again, and I'm not a numbers person. I'm not a business guy. So I always have a very hard time understanding this, this point of view. Right. But for me, like you're trading arguably your best player while you're in win now mode. I don't understand it, but these people are much more intelligent than I am, Wally's and cap they handle space. the books. I know it's cap space, and we're in a flat cap era. And so they have to make moves, but could they not shuffle other things around? So now what they're well, now what are they going to do? Right. Well, like don't, you just don't you lost.
0: remember like the post was it the postseason just before the playoffs, they were trying to win the president's trophy and they could only dress like 17 skaters. Yeah, because they had
1: cap issues. Yeah, I know. I know. So, so they, they shed a big deal like that. I guess it opens up a lot of space. Yeah. But I mean, I don't look at I look at it on the surface. Right. And on the surface, all I'm seeing is a Vezina winner getting moved and it just looks weird. But you're well, right. Not, it is a cap thing.
0: Not only that, you know? I know they had to add scoring, but they brought in a five million dollar of Genny Right. Like
1: yeah. you win with goaltending. So <laughs> they brought in the Russian, the Russian sniper of Dadinov. <laughs> <laughs> who had had more goals than assists last year. With yeah, the he one, did he have one
0: power play goal? I can't remember. Um, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, uh, part of, I just want to go over uh, one of the things about free agent day that we saw was I think every goalie has been traded or dealt or signed as a free agent yesterday. Because yeah. It, the number is crazy. And so as, here's a couple of them. Cause I can't get through them all, but Freddie Anderson goes to Carolina. Peter Marazzi goes to Toronto as they flip goalies, which is weird. Braden Holpe goes to Dallas, Martin Jones to Philadelphia, Craig Anderson, Welcome back. He's going to go to Buffalo. Uh, he needs uh, nine wins to get to 300 career NHL wins. Aaron Dell yeah. is in Buffalo. Darcy Camper to Colorado. Philip Grubauer to Seattle. Okay. So
1: what was Andy's, what were his numbers, Wally? I guess you wouldn't know his numbers, but how, like, and I don't know if Craig can chime in on this, but I'm wondering how he did in Washington because I saw the signing on Craig Anderson and I, I could see, you know, sometimes you click on a post and you see some of the comments. Some of them were like a little skeptical and negative. And I was shocked because I'm well, thinking, he didn't you bring a guy like well, I let's, but when he did play, didn't he play a couple of games and he was pretty darn good for them? Like he stole them a couple of wins, didn't he? Well, then he
0: got into the playoffs. Yeah. And, and he was very good in the playoffs. So, uh, so I mean, for those, anyway, those, I, those two yeah. games, but uh, I'm going to tell yeah. you what his numbers were. They like, because I don't know, I'll full on admit it. I,
1: I don't have them in front of
0: me, obviously. Yeah, he, but he started two games and played in four out of 13 goals against. Well, Bears. I think,
1: I think so. So, who else do they have in Buffalo? Who's the other they, guy? Oh,
0: they also just signed uh, Aaron Dell.
1: Yeah. So. And, yeah. Okay. Anyway,
0: I like and Linus went to. I can't remember where he went to. Um, yeah. But the Freddie Anderson to Carolina and Peter Morazic to Toronto is an that one's interesting to me because are you saying? Peter Morazic is better than Freddie Anderson for you as a Toronto Maple Leaf. I think so. A Stanley Cup contender,
1: really? I think so. Yeah, I think really? so. I actually think I I firmly believe that Freddie Anderson. You know, and it's always like that in, in Toronto. I find, hey, eh? like with certain players, where you know, and we saw with Reimer where they just won't give up, won't give up. We hang yeah. on to him. Oh, he's going to yeah. pan out, but but they were they've they've been lacking there. In my opinion, that's been their biggest. Issue and and sure. people talk about the, the the choke job they did in the playoffs and how they underperformed. I mean, a lot of that is your goaltending, and 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 you need goaltending to steal games. Look at the NHL playoffs, how they turned out. Look at the teams that go on to the final, that top four, even the the, the conference finals. You need stellar goaltending. I'm sorry, but you can't just win with one or maybe two top lines up front. Like you need a solid back end, and you need first class goaltending. So yeah. you move Mrazic. You move Freddie Anderson, they both get a change of scenery. I don't mind that. I really don't. And Mrazik's a big dude, covers a lot of net. I uh, I, re- I just I don't know how to elaborate. I'm not a goalie expert, but <laughs> I do believe I, I do believe a little change of scenery sometimes can do wonders for a player. Sometimes it can hinder a player. But in this case, I don't see it hurting them. Freddie Anderson had a ton of opportunity, and I just don't think it panned out. Campbell play, played him most of the time anyway. I mean, your backup's your better player. It's time to move on from your starter and get somebody else.
0: All right. So I got a couple of points there. And first of all, Peter Moranzik, former Ottawa 67's goaltender. Uh yeah. You talked about Jack Campbell outplaying Freddie Anderson. I'm gonna go back to Mike Riley and even if we talk about uh Savard going into Montreal, and that is yeah. a new team, got a chance, Sure. plum, right? So yeah. so I now I don't disagree that Freddie Anderson was not the answer in goal, but it reminds me, and you're still too young for all this, is Patrick Laleem was Ottawa's best goalie and arguably still is next to Craig Anderson. And he had the struggle in the playoffs and they are like, that's it. We got to move on. His game was very good. And he was very good for Ottawa, but they, that's it. They'd seen enough and they knew they had to find someone else. And so that's what I think of in Freddie Anderson, good goaltender, but he can't win you the game.
1: Exactly. And that's what it comes down to, right? It's having nerves of steel and showing up when it matters, showing up for the first I don't know how many games of a regular season and getting a little bit of success is one thing, but when you're playing on a team in a win now mode that finished first in the North, there's no excuse. You need to be the guy. And that's not a slight at him personally. Like he might, he might, things might pan out for Freddie and where he'll turn into that number one goalie still that he, everybody believes he can be. But I mean, when you're, if you're Kyle Dubas right now and you're, you know, trying to build a good winner, a Stanley cup winner, you can't have question marks between the pipes. You just can't. And you can't, There's and there's no time to wait. You can't give them another opportunity. Well, we're going to hang on with them right now and see how this pans out another year. You can't burn another season uh, in, in hopes that your goaltender will be your best player. Got to move on from them. And they've done that. And I think it's the right move.
0: It is. And it'd be interesting to see how all that plays out. I, Peter Mrazek would certainly be under a different microscope. I think, I mean, he was also in Detroit. So, He's seen yeah. that hockey media market. Oh yeah, he'll be okay. He'll be we'll, okay. All right, I'll take your word for it. Uh, uh, fantastic. We could probably go on all day, but for now, uh, those are the headlines. Built by Bei Bonisher Excavating Inc., helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. And visit Bonisher Excavating for all your aggregate needs. All right, coming up, we're excited. We have Christian land on the show. Uh, He joined us in the chat, quenched by whitewaterbeer.ca. Our entire vacation will be a giant ad, by the way, for whitewater beer, as Meth and I have rented a yurt (laughs) for a month. Uh, Remind us, uh, reminder to use the Wally Mathot coupon code before it's gone. That's 15% off when you visit shopwhitewater.ca. You're watching the Wally Mathot Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Visit barhavenford.com and check out their new Roush-inspired BFC custom vehicles today. Welcome back to the William Thought Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Barhaven Ford has recently introduced its all-star lineup of custom builds. It's the Barhaven Ford Customs. Barhaven Ford has brought Roush-inspired custom F-150s, Rangers, and Mustangs to the nation's capital. At Barhaven Ford, they build the truck or Mustang the way you want it, customizing each truck or Mustang to fit your individual needs. Go to barhavenford.com slash bfc-customs, or just go see them. 555 Dealership Drive in Barhaven. All right, welcome back to the volume of Thought Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Time now for In the Chat, brought to you by whitewaterbeer.ca, and pleased to be joined now by Christian Willan. And unfortunately, we have to say of the Los Angeles Kings, because we miss him here dearly in Ottawa. Christian, good to see you again. Good to see you guys. How are things? I, I know you travel all over the country. If you watch your Instagram posts, I believe you've been in every city in the world in the last 52 days.
2: Yeah, yeah, I started in Latvia. Um, (laughs) postseason then I went to Mexico for a quick uh, quick breather and then I went to Boston um, spent some time kind of started my summer training there now I'm back home in Detroit for another couple weeks keep training and then uh, out to LA uh, shortly after that
0: it seems like a lifetime ago I'm sure but it was only March you were placed on waivers can you take me through let's just start it last season can you take me through what all transpired and how you ended up basically in LA um, well,
2: I mean, the, the waiver experience was, uh, a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I, I knew that my play leading up to that kind of, uh, wasn't where I wanted it to be. And, and obviously where the, the higher ups in Ottawa wanted it to be. So, um, I can't really say that I was surprised by it. Um, but it was just an experience as a whole. And then obviously it's just, uh, to, to end up in LA to finish the season was, um, a nice, a nice kind of, uh, refresher and, and a new beginning and a new start. And, um, but yeah, it was just, a whirlwind of a year and a really tough year for everyone. Not just, not just myself, but um, it definitely was an experience and something I'll learn off.
0: So when you get traded to the Los Angeles Kings, do you get really excited because of a, where it is and the history and just the pomp and like you are an LA guy. I don't know if you'll admit this or not, but I think of you as a perfect (laughs) LA guy.
2: Yeah, I honestly, I had, I'd say most of the people that know me um, were texting me that they're like, it's like going to LA, that's where you belong, Hollywood kind of thing. And, um, I think that's, I don't, I don't know if that's a shot at me, um, but <laughs> no. I laugh every time I laugh every time someone says that, but, um, you know what, it, it it's weird. It did kind of feel like, um, home, um, immediately upon arriving there. I know I didn't play a lot. I know I wasn't really a part of um, the Kings to finish the year last year, but, um, even with that, I never really felt like I was unhappy or I wanted to be anywhere else. And, um, I just I'm just excited to hopefully go there next year and, and play hockey and live in LA.
0: it's a personality thing this is not a shot at you but you have a great outgoing personality and you're lots of fun to hang out with and that's what really leads to people thinking you're an la guy and your communications background at, at North Dakota so what is it you would like to do off the ice in la it's gonna sound broad but I just think connect um, yeah. like
2: you said, I, I, I do take pride in, in trying to be as well-spoken as I can and, and, and open as I can. And I think if I can first off start to play and play well, and then use those, um, use those connections to just, I, I'm not saying just like ride it to the top. I'm just saying use yeah. connections to have experiences, to have things that would probably not happen if I, um, had stayed forever in Ottawa or, or whatever the situation, but, um, yeah, I think, I think it's just cool to think about kind of the variety of people in LA and kind of the experiences you can have through those connections.
1: Hmm.
0: So, uh, let's go back to your, did your injury really is the, what the start of perhaps the, I'll say the end in Ottawa, because you have that pre training camp accident with Mark Borwiecki, you have the labrum, you have the surgery, missed 61 games. How badly, I guess, did that set you back?
2: Uh, that's tough to say. I, 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 I I put the onus on myself. I don't think that I had, um, like I came back, I played those three games to finish the year and then COVID hit. I played really well, those three games, I had a great camp, um, leading into last year. And then, and then the year came and it was obviously a tough year with COVID and no fans. And, um, but I'll be the first to say that I was nowhere near the player that uh, I can be and should be. And uh, when you when you do that in the best league in the world, it kind of puts you in a position that you don't mm. want to be in. And as much as I would have loved to play more, as much as as I told you guys before this, I, I wanted to to be a senator for as long as I could. Um, it's the way it goes. And um, so I, don't, I, I try not to point uh, at the shoulder injury and say that's the reason why everything happened. Um, but I guess it is what it is. Like I said, it's the best league in yeah. the world and, and there's somebody ready to take your spot at any given moment. So um I think it's just it was just a mix of everything just kind of uh falling down at the same time and
1: and Otto was ready to, to move on and Willie we know like injuries are brutal to get through especially serious ones like that I feel like it can hang over your head for a little while I've been through it as well with my knee and my back what's your plan then moving forward I know we spoke on it a little bit before we started here with regards to this summer and what you're going to try to improve on you're going to be in LA training what's the game plan yeah like I think like you said it's just you have to do the right things to come
2: back and, and come back healthy and come back strong. And I do feel, even this year when I was playing poorly, I felt strong. I was never playing poorly because I was scared to re-injure my shoulder. Um, so I, I think the plan is just to continue to do what I did last summer. I thought last summer I had a great summer. Like I said, I was really, really happy with the way my camp went. It was just what happened after camp and kind of the way my season went after that. I, I just, I didn't really feel, feel as confident, confident as I felt I should have. Yeah.
4: Um,
2: so this summer, my plan is going to stay the same. I love the way I feel right now in the gym. I love the way I feel on the ice. Um, and I'm going to go out to LA as soon as I possibly can and start to work with uh, Greener and 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 all the LA player development guys and, and just give them my time. Because as the Ottawa guys know, I like to show up early, um, kind of do the work right in front of their face. That way when camp comes around, there's no questions about what Wooly was doing for the
1: last month and a half. Yeah. The, right? That's smart. That's something that a lot of guys always used to do in Columbus when I played there because... I feel like guys that are always sort of in question are the bubble players. There's that added pressure, right? And you don't want to give the organization an excuse come training camp time where, well, did you even put the work in if you're there in front of them? I'm sure that works to your advantage. So would you say that your experience over at the Worlds kind of helped out a little bit as well as far as getting a little more confidence here and kind of feeling like yourself again? You put up some pretty good numbers. I had the pleasure to cover you a little. I thought you looked pretty good.
2: I appreciate that. But, no, it was Worlds was my highlight of the year Um, but, but by far. I mean, I played in in the world championships uh, two years prior. Uh, yep. And when I say played, I, I showed up and, and was lucky enough to wear the jersey, but I didn't really play. Um, so to get the opportunity again and and actually get minutes and play meaningful minutes was truthfully one of the coolest things in my hockey career to this point. Um, and like you said, just to kind of go through um, the crappy year and the ups and downs of the COVID year and, and both sides, whatever, from Ottawa to L.A., it was Nice to just kind of get out to, to Latvia, and we had a bunch of misfits, a bunch of guys that uh, got the got the call because uh, the superstars didn't didn't want to come, and uh, yeah. we kind of we kind of rode that, and it was just a blast. Like everyone was just pumped to be there, pumped to wear the sweater, and to win games like we did, and and come home with a bronze medal. I tweeted, uh, not gold, but it feels like it. <laughs> and uh, I never thought I'd celebrate third place, but I tell you it was, it was really one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life, for sure.
1: Right on. Yeah, it always seems like that. I feel like every time you are at a tournament where there are medals involved, I feel like winning bronze is probably a little more exciting than losing in that gold medal match. I don't know why that is, but I feel like third place is probably almost a step above second as far as when you're flying home with the boys, things are good, you're feeling good about yourself. So did you guys celebrate a little bit after that at, at all overnight, or did you guys just go back to your rooms and sleep? No, that was our
2: discussion before. So we you, we lose to Canada, right? And it's devastating. You lose to your arch rival yeah. after beating them. And they're kind of, first off, the fact that they were called the Cinderella team is just, you can't do that. <laughs> it's Canada. They're, they're like, they can have 15 Olympic, Olymp, 15 Olympic teams and still compete. <laughs> like, it's um, but yeah. to to lose to them after beating them, and they obviously had a great run, and I was happy for my buddies on that team. Um, uh, but you lose and you're pissed, and there's guys on the border border of tears in the locker room, and then yeah, you get in the bus and you're in the meal room, and then the guys start to talk. You're like, Would you rather win bronze or lose silver? And like, like you said, <laughs> it's kind of like, all right, let's go win bronze boys. And and we celebrated, and like Good. I said, it was a bunch of guys that who knows if we'll ever have the chance to wear the USA Jersey again. So to, to yeah. have that experience, go home with, with a medal. And um, it was, we were really, really excited about it for sure.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Did, did it make it worse that like Nick Paul and Connor Brown uh, account for the gold medal winning goal? Like, is this, was that just a little <laughs> extra kick in the teeth?
2: No, no, actually it might've been worse if it was guys that I hate. Uh, I, those two are great guys. Uh, Troy Stetcher. Um, he had the big play in the in the Russia game yep. before that those are all three yep. like pretty good buddies of mine so um, it's it's kind of like whatever you're happy for them because I I like to think that I'm a pretty good friend I saw I was pumped for them but at the same time you're like screw you guys <laughs> <laughs> like, we we I think we got Canada in right like we won a couple of big, big games where if we didn't win yes. they would have not been in and yeah um, it just that's always tough to, to think about but <laughs> it's the way it goes uh
0: was there much chatter about canada starting zero three
2: no because they're canada so we're like all right well something's gonna happen and then they brought in uh Mangiapani and completely changed the dynamic of that team and um i mean they they were it, it, they were a completely different team uh that when we saw them in the semifinals and
1: then when we saw them in the in the there was a there was a lot of chat on uh, Brian Boyle, Wooly, with regards to like his leadership role and how things kind of you know picked up throughout the tournament. With uh, was it Advocator that got hurt there? I think at one point, yeah. yeah. So then obviously, kind of Boyle takes on that role. What was like? What was it like playing with him and seeing this old dude come in the room and kind of take control vocally and, and lead the team forward? You know what? I get I get
2: crap for being like a, a super fan. Like I love just like <laughs> I love seeing guys that. That I I grew up like So, like, it's, it was cool. Like, this is the first time I've ever talked with you one-on-one. I was like, this is sick. I'll be able to talk to Matt. It's like seeing yeah. Brian Boyle walk in, I'm like, man, that's Brian Boyle. Like, I watched him forever. Like, not forever, <laughs> you know. I'm not that that young. But it was just yeah. like, cool to see it. a guy of his stature walk in. And, like, um, you always think you, you know a guy, right, just based off of what you see on TV. So, I'm like, this yeah. guy's going to be, like, a mean guy. Like, I'm going to be intimidated. Like, I'm not going to be myself around him. And he came in and he was just one of the nicest, most down-to-earth guys. Like um, you, he was making jokes all the time about like coming out of retirement to wear the USA sweater and um, <laughs> and then a guy like Justin Abdelkader who had had a great NHL career and now he's in Europe kicking around. Like to have yeah. two of those guys come and play with as much pride as they did and lead a, a group of, of misfits like they did was just, um, they were honestly probably the two perfect guys for that for that situation. Nice. Very
0: good. Uh, you had Jack Capuano on your bench, Colin White as a teammate. I, but did it feel comfortable having Jack there as well? Or I mean, I don't know the relationship you had with him before with Ottawa, but uh, was there a little bit of a, a comfort feeling?
2: Yeah, yeah, he helped a lot. I mean, he was he was the guy that uh, even this year in Ottawa when I was playing poorly, he was the coach that would always come up to me like, give me a pat on the back, like, all right, Willie. Like, I, th- I think Cappy knows. Um, I think he he's he's always known what I can do when I'm at my best. And, and I, I really appreciate him for kind of always kind of being in my corner and trying to remind me, even when um, maybe I thought that I couldn't—not um, to be dramatic—but um, he was he was again, I think, a perfect coach for that situation. Just uh, yeah. a, a, an assistant who could be a head coach, and he finally gets um, some some charge, and um, he led us in a great way. And uh, I think it was hilarious because he he was, I was the only defenseman to get benched. I think I got benched for like four minutes. <laughs> And we won, and I and I look at him after. I'm like, "Why did you bench me, Cappy?" He's like, "Well, I knew you could take it." I'm like, "Well, man, like you're not." (laughs) I'm like, "I know I can take it, but you're not benching anybody else." He's like, "Yeah, I don't know them." I'm like, "Well, (laughs) (laughs) nice." Um, Uh, But he he was
0: he was an awesome coach for that. He really was good. You you talked about getting a chance to meet Meth. So you're a communications guy. Is there any questions you want to ask Meth?
2: No, you don't need to ask me anything. I, I'm not like that. I don't have, like, I don't, like, come with, uh, with uh, questions in, in grill and I'm, like a, like, a super fan. But I just think it's cool to, like, um, like I said, you watch guys and, and the first thing I think of is, is Math and Carl and in, in the in their run uh, the year before I got to Ottawa. And I just yeah. think it's cool because I love watching hockey. Like, I watch every single playoff game and you try and learn and you try and um, just – take it in soak it in. And it's, I think it's even cool when you're actually playing in the same league as these guys that you're watching. Um, That's, I guess that's a tough part though. Sometimes I get starstruck even when I'm on the ice I'm like that guy's really good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that was the biggest thing for me. I think like what changed my game. And it didn't happen until I was in my like later twenties where I got past that point where I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm done kind of admiring these players. I know I belong. And I think the reason why I'm bringing this up is I think for me, my biggest, kind of wake-up call was when I went to the World Championships. Obviously, you experienced it two years ago, but maybe you didn't play as much. But for me, I was around 27, I think, 28 when I first went over, and it just woke me up. I was like, okay, I'm better than this guy, or I'm a better skater than so-and-so. Like You don't realize until you play under new coaches and new players, right? So for me, that was an awakening. That's why I asked you earlier about it. I don't, You don't need to touch on it again if you don't want to. But I think playing with different players, and you experience now just jumping from a couple different teams, I think you can kind of – make you realize and help you out. okay i i belong here i i'm an nhl player
2: right and I, I think it's funny you say that because i i do find that that's something i don't want to say it holds me back but it's something i think about because yeah. i go into the every american league game i've ever played and i i don't want to say dominate because i think that's a no, strong but- word but i play really well to the point where you notice that i'm yeah. making a difference in the game and i think that's going into it with that mentality that all right i, I shouldn't be in this league let me go, let me go show them real quick. And then I don't want to say I get nervous in the NHL, but I definitely, um, and my dad uses it, you give him too much respect. Too much Um, respect. Yeah. And and that's, uh, I don't think it's a a bad thing because I think respect is something that's important to have in in every asset. Um, But it's something that I, I I think I need to kind of push to the side when it comes to competing, you know, kind of have that FU mentality. And then, uh then post game I can go back to watching their highlights on YouTube
1: because <laughs> you're skating is you're such a you're like at least from my perspective because I have an appreciation for it especially when it comes to demon you're like one of the best skaters probably on defense at the NHL level so how did you develop that was that just something your old man kind of worked with you on and you did a lot of power skating what was the secret there uh, I was a forward my entire life. I'm, yet, I'm less than 10
2: years playing defense. So oh, no way. I don't really, See, know, I know I that. really have an exact number on it. But uh, basically, my first year junior was like my first time ever, like, where they're like, all right, you're a defenseman, you stay right here. <laughs> um, and I was like 6, 17 years old. And I'm like, all right, well, this is going to be an interesting um, kind of learning curve. And my first year junior, I was like five points, just like I literally would stand on the blue line, didn't know what to do. And then my second year, kind of the start of the second year, same thing. And then I got traded to Muskegon and I had a coach who just taught me. He just showed me Duncan Keith clips all the time. It's <laughs> ironic that he just got traded, but he showed me Duncan Keith clips all the time. And he'd be like, watch how he plays like, Yeah. and show me little things like instead of like skating backwards and having a bad gap, skate forwards and angle them like little yeah. little tidbits like that. He like just he found a way to connect to me in such a, a way that I'd never been connected to before. And then I started to figure it out bit by bit, and obviously to have my dad in my corner, like you said, just to, um, because he was the complete opposite of me. He was shut down, tough, physical. Yeah. Um, he kind of brings it all together. Um, but I think I would say the skating and the offensive uh, mindset come from being a forward my entire life. Nice. I, I think that it helps a lot. Like, and even in college, I played a couple of games at forward, and um, it was almost that was almost like it was even those I think it was like five games. It was yeah. nice because. I was able to play five games as a forward. And then when I went back to D, I'm like, what sucked as a forward? What was the, like, what made it hard as a forward? And um, I just, I, like, all those little experiences, Um, I don't want to say I'm a, I'm a full-time defenseman, but I, they've made me feel a lot more comfortable. as Right. As time.
1: Yeah, and that's why I asked, because, and again, I'm, I'm grilling you on the skating, because I it's such a crazy good asset to have, right, at that level. It, it creates space for you out there on the ice. So I'm going to ask you again growing up what did your dad do like there's parents out there that are watching this we have an older demographic sometimes that pay attention to the show that have kids like me and I want to know how do I get my son to skate like Christian Willannon when he gets older what does he do so
2: I I, I choose to power skate um I I did we had in Ottawa we have Shelly and I I would ask Schwartz I'd say hey can you get me set up with Shelly as much as you can yeah. um so when I was doing shoulder rehab I was skating with her two three times a week and then the rest I would do whatever by myself or with Schwartzy. And I, I, I truly enjoy that as weird as it sounds. I think it's so important. And like, she's not even like power. She's just more like edge work. Yep. And then growing up, um, this would be funny, but my dad got me with a figure skater. Um, and I was at that age, I was at that age where it was like, not cool to be with the figure skater. You no, know, I, <laughs> oh, <like>, I know <laughs> like probably somewhere between 10 and 15 years old to the point where I didn't realize like it was going to make me better. But like, Right, like he has me out there with a figure skater, and like I'm wearing full hockey gear, and I'm surrounded by these girls and women, and they're in their figure skating gear, and I'm full (laughs) gear out there in the middle of them all. Like, it was just like the weirdest. I remember feeling so awkward, and like my face was red, and like yeah. But I always sometimes when I'm with Shelly, I'm like, yeah, I did this when I was like 12 with a figure skater. Like it's it's crazy how much it kind of stays in engraved in your memory and. Uh, I would say figure skating and um, edge work. Just the power stuff will come with strength and will come with, I think, even just learning from the figure skaters.
0: Nice. You bring up Shelly. Shelly Kettles is the one in Ottawa who does the edge work. Uh, And I know her really well. She's taught my kids since he was four, still skates with them. Is it an, an overlooked asset right now in the NHL that there needs to be more of these skating coaches that are full time on NHL teams? Like, how valuable is she? when it comes to all the guys in Belleville who have come up or even the NHL guys who are now just starting to work on their edges a little bit more?
2: Um, yeah. You know what? I think, I think every skill is important, but I think skating is the most important. As Meth yeah. said, it can, it can create so much space for you. It can, it can create everything that you can, you can have the best hands in the world, but if you're standing still with the best hands in the world, you're going to have one of the best defensemen in the world, put you on your ass and, 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 I think it's just so valuable just to have, even if it's just good edges and tight, you watch a guy like Connor Garland. I don't know how familiar the Canadian fans are, but yeah. Connor Garland's five foot nothing. And, and one of the hardest guys I've ever had to check in practice and in a game in LA um, because of his edges, you know, he can, he can turn on a dime and he can make you look silly like that. Um, so I think it's, I think it's really important. And I, I just think as a whole um, my dad coaches U uh, 15s here back home in Michigan and, he says, he says it's ridiculous that every single kid can come out on the ice. They're, they're doing their pre-practice laps, and every kid can do the Michigan move. Every kid can go through the legs. And he's like, every kid can throw a saucer pass, but not every kid can throw a flat, hard pass. Not every kid can skate with a long, hard stride. Not every kid can make a hockey play with his mind. He's like, I think it's hard with, with the era we live in where social media is, you know, every, every Sveshnikov goal is going to be posted, guaranteed. But they're not going to show uh, somebody who backchecks hard, somebody who throws a good hard flat pass, somebody who makes a good read, like the little details of the game. So I think it's yeah. I think it's important to find the balance of both, um, especially, like I said, with the, with the social media era that, era that we live in right now.
0: Uh, a million different questions. I need to circle back to you saying that you were a forward forever, and that is, did you want to be a defenseman? No, no. We, <laughs> we had a... We
2: had a like a triple-A like coach in Michigan that like, he's like a legend here, but I think he's a legend because he's just been doing it for forever. So he was alone coaching and he does tryouts by himself. And we have like, I think they carry like 20 kids at, at the midget uh, age group or whatever. And we had like 18 forwards in 2D. So it's just a single coach with 18 forwards in 2D. He like calls my dad, he's like, Craig, I need your help to coach this team. Like I'm kind of swimming. And I was like, "All right, like I'll, I'll coach." And then he calls another guy with a, a dad who played hockey in the past. He's like, "Hey, can you be the forward coach?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." So we just like kind of like get this misfit <laughs> team together, and then they pull us in for first practice. Where I go, All right, who wants to play defense? <laughs> Everyone's like, "Like not me." I'm going for you know. <laughs> and then like we just had like I think it was like three of the better skaters. Um the head coach is like you skate well, you skate well, you skate well, you guys are gonna be on uh you guys gonna be on defense to start. And like that was kind of the start of like me testing out defense. And as I said, I would start on I would start on the point and then once the puck dropped, it was like uh like a drop in hockey or sticks and pucks, or whatever you guys call it. I was just anywhere but on the uh, on the D side of the puck. So took me a while to That's figure wild. that out, but
0: That's great. Um, Also, you talked about uh, giving guys too much respect on the ice. And I want to circle back to your first NHL game because I'll never forget it. And I I don't know why it always sticks with me, but you faced in your first game, Connor McDavid. And, and it was a, I mean, it was a 6-2 game, I think by Edmonton by the end of it. But when you look back at that game, what is it you remember about it? I remember thinking that I, like,
2: I'm like, okay, I can play in this league. Like I, I can, Surviving this. League. I was one game in fresh out of college, but I felt comfortable. Like I felt like me with the puck on my stick was more than comfortable. Uh, defensively, everybody but Connor McDavid, I was like, I'm not going to say this is easy, but I'm like this. I can do this. I can get better and become even better and, and do this full time. Um, but obviously, I'll never forget my first minus against Connor McDavid that game. Uh, I'm like probably two stick lengths away backing up on the offensive zone blue line. And I'm like, all right, got my gap. There's no way he's blown by me. Got my gap. Like I'll give him the shot. I'm just not going to let him go around. Yeah. Me. And as I'm thinking, got my gap, he's around me. And I'm <laughs> watching he it away. I was like, Holy crap. Like this is not, not just on TV. Like this is real. I, I, it was like ridiculous. It was like the first time I had ever seen anything like uh, a speed at that, at, at that level. It was uh, too much respect, but cool. Maybe I, mean, I should have gave him a slash in the wrist or something, but uh, I was all, like I said I was fresh out of college so I wasn't ready to fight yet. Yeah, I was gonna say you'd have to fight three players anyway. Yeah, exactly. Good no, I wasn't ready for that. I think Luch was still there at the time too, so I'm not interested. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was I was Cappy on the bench then? Did did any coach come back when you came back to the bench say anything to you? That was
2: Crow. That would have been oh, yeah. Gee and uh, Crow and. Uh, Who's oh,
1: you know Crow would have had some like yeah. Now think crow remark, just yelled right? at him.
2: like a little sarcastic comment. Crow <laughs> Crow was one of the because my dad had won a the Cup with him. Um, yeah. So prior to playing, my dad goes, "This is going to be hard. He's going to be hard on you, but this is what you need." And he was right. Crow was one of the hardest coaches I've ever had to play for. Some of the things that were said <laughs> and some of the lessons I had to learn the hard way were, uh, yeah. But you know what I. He gave, he, he taught me a lot and I think he played me probably the most out of any coach I've played for in the NHL. So um, he's one of those guys where he was going to grill you and he was going to grill you honestly, but if you could yeah. take it and, and come back and bounce back harder, he was going to give you another shot at it, which I always thought was cool. But yeah, I yeah I, he, he came down after McDavid and he's like, welcome to the league, bud. I'm like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's exactly him. Yeah. Oh, and he's okay. great. You're right. Well, you're right about that though. He, he could be really, really hard especially I found on the younger players, like he knew how to manage personalities. He knew that, you know, tearing a strip off of a 12 or 13 year vet, like Dion or myself probably wouldn't really get him anywhere, but he could really kind of be a little more difficult and maybe harder on the younger players. And at times we'd be like, man, like you got to calm down a little bit, but I think, as a young player, what better way to get into the league and broke it in than, than have a guy like him behind you? Because if you can handle Crow, you can handle just about anybody else, right? So I like those comments you made about him. It sums him up really well, and I I had a really good experience with him too. Right, and and my dad told told me
2: a story prior, which again, like I bring up my dad a lot, not because I don't really know, but well, like he's kind he, of good. The, in the reason you why know? I'm like.
1: He's kind of good. Yeah. He's he's an an NHL player. (laughs) He just,
2: he doesn't act like he knows it all, but he tries to give me information so that I can process it when I'm ready to process it. Um, And he told me a story about Crow that like kind of made me think about it forever. like when Crow was yelling at me, I always thought like, okay, he's done this before. So he told me a story. And when they won the cup in 96, I think Peter Forsberg was two or three years into the league. And as you said, Matt, like Crow was, is an, and was notorious for being hard on younger guys, not because he's a bad guy, just because he knows, like you said, he's going to get, it's going to go a little bit further with a younger guy than it will with the older guys. But um, yeah, the story where he was just grilling Peter Forsberg. Um, and, and I think my dad and Joe Sackick went in and they're like, all right, enough's enough. Like take it easy on this guy. <laughs> he's going to help you out a lot. Like yeah, we get what you're trying to do. It works. Like they're going to listen, like he's trying to listen, but just back off a little bit. And, and, as he said, from that moment forward, Crow was like hard on him, but fair and fair he yeah. hard on him. And, and they went on to win the cup together. And, and um, I mean, obviously, I think they can both look back on that and with the Stanley Cup in their hands and be like, all right, that was it worth out. every part of the learning. Curve. But <laughs> yeah, he was uh he was a he was a cool coach to play for. I will say that
0: Did crow ever chirp you like about your dad, like you even your dad could make that play or anything. was oh was, every, every chance yeah. he got. Every
2: time, especially if it was
0: something where I wasn't
2: being physical enough, or I, I didn't, I uh, wasn't being mean enough, or anything like that, he would just yeah. like, "What? What happened to you? Like, you must have got your
1: mom's jeans." I'm like, "Oh uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds just like him." And uh, some answer like you couldn't say half the stuff Crow said in an office in a regular work environment. It was that bad. You right. know, there were some stuff that would come out of his mouth. and, Even like for us, the older guys, I'd be looking back, like thinking, did he just say that? But that's just his personality. And I I think it it made it fun to play for him. But anyway, it's good to know that you had a good experience with Crow. So that's nice. Yeah, there were
2: some days if you would have asked me like right after it on on a particular day, I would have said, no, screw this guy forever. But I look back on it with a a lot of like, uh, I was like I said, I was thankful he played me a ton. And I think every single thing, whether it was yelling or
0: just talking, I think it had good intentions behind it. Yeah, right on. Uh, You're wearing 21 now in L.A. I'm just curious about your number change. Uh, You came into this. Are you not wearing 21?
2: I was. Yeah, I'm going to go back to 86. Oh, I I, I went. uh, Yeah, I went 24 this year. Tried to bring it out of retirement from college. Try and switch up the juju a little bit after the shoulder injury. And I think I got to put it back into retirement (laughs) and go back to 86.
0: 86. (laughs) Good for you. That's a bold move. Yeah. it's a weird number so I, I I'm all for it. Matt's not a big now he doesn't like big numbers. Oh, my
2: dad. No, was, I don't my like dad,
1: my
0: dad's
2: like you I can't don't, wear, uh, you can't wear 86. I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "Oh, your
1: dad was against it?"
2: Oh, he hates it. He's uh, like he's like defense <laughs> he's like defensemen wear low numbers. You're 1 through
1: 10. I'm like, "You're 1 through 10." <laughs> I'm going 86. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's I the league's changed though. It's not like it used to be. Like I I feel like If I saw you wearing 86, especially you, because you're such a good skater, like for a guy like myself or another like lumbering D-man wearing a high number, I think it would look odd, but that's just an old school mentality. I I feel like we can't really buy into that anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think my dad was probably thinking from the same wavelength. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Speaking of 86, Nikita
0: Kucherov had a very infamous press conference. Would you ever be that guy if you've won the Stanley Cup?
2: Yeah. Hell yeah. Like I I'm a firm believer because this is how I truly feel like I am. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm playing good, I'm going to be the first one to tell you guys that I'm playing sick and my team is sick. And and, (laughs) I agree. I'm buzzing. And if I'm playing poorly, I'm also the first one to be like, like I told you guys earlier, I had a crap year. I probably deserve to get put on waivers and deserve to get sent to the minors and scratched and whatnot. Um, So for a guy like him and they, I can't imagine how, uh, their social media was with the, with the Montreal fans throughout that. So to get the the hate and kind of have to battle through that and battle through the tough COVID year, when you end up on top, I feel like you have a little bit of slack to just kind of run with it for run one or two weeks post post Stanley cup. You're the best in the world. Um, I agree. So I think you, you kind of earn that in a sense. Um, I, like I said, I don't know the, the kind of tweets that they were getting or the, the messages that they were getting from Montreal fans, but when you win, you get to rub it in their face a little bit, and then uh, I guess kind of just know that you might have Shea Weber coming in your corner next year or <laughs>
1: one of those pretty big demons. So Well, and that leads that leads to what we were talking about earlier with you because you're a well-spoken guy. You're easy and approachable when it comes to media. I feel like maybe this doesn't necessarily tie into that exactly, but having that, like, honesty come through and a little more personality from players especially at the NHL level, I think that we need that. We need heels. We need bad guys, people that you want to cheer against if you're the opposing fan base. I don't see an issue with it. I know a lot of people were all up in arms over it, but I'm agreeing with you on that. I think having a little personality is just good for the game at this point.
2: Right. And we and we talk about growth of the game all the time because uh, anybody who loves hockey knows that it's, it's the best game to watch and the best game to be a part of. But if you don't watch it from an outsider's perspective, how do we get more people to be invested and to care more? And if you're part of the crew that wants the NHL to grow and wants the game to grow, but you're part of the crew, that's yelling at Kucherov for having a little bit of personality, you're contradicting exactly what you're hoping for. And I think, like you said, that's where I think the old schoolers kind of get caught where they want the game to be bigger. They're complaining why it's not showed as much as the NBA or the NFL or the MLB. But yet you're you're complaining when a guy shows a little bit of personality, you just got to find a a balance. And uh, I think that's where the NHL just needs to let guys just roll a little bit. Like, I think a guy like Matthews is great for the league. Like, I saw he went to the UFC the other night and I was reading the comments and fans (laughs) are like, well, this is what he's doing instead of training. Guess the Leafs aren't winning again. It's so
1: it's so stupid. And it was him. (laughs) It was him. Uh, there was Thornton, I think was with them. Yeah. Big Joe was there and Biebs. And I'm, I'm mentioning all these people for those listening that have no idea what we're talking about, but yeah, at the UFC event, Austin Matthews rolls in with all these people. And again, that's a good thing, right? It raises yeah. the profile. People are talking about it and you get the old school people online. And that's why I always give myself the 15% rule when it comes to social media, like 15% roughly are actually engaging on social media in our country, right. Of the population it's a very small people on a grand scale, but they're very loud. And if you're on there every day, it feels like it's an overwhelming majority of people that share that same thought. But I think as an athlete, we all have to remind ourselves that these are just a lot of very loud people. And it's a small group and you can't take, you can't invest too much into that. And that goes with us too. Like we could be having a bad game. And Wooly, I remember, especially my later years, I look around in the bus and on the bus, a lot of the younger guys are all searching their names and i w I've been guilty of doing it too, like rarely, but I have, and and nothing good comes from it. Right. Like if you're on a high and you have a good game, sure. Maybe, but when you know you had a tough game, maybe you caused a goal out there and like, what do you expect to find? Right. So I think that's all part of it too. Right. And it, it, I, cause I, I, I stopped doing
2: that this year. I had to give it up, especially playing with the worst thing ever. Yeah. And, um, but it's funny because, when I was playing well, I would do it and I would read it and I'd just like go about my day. I wouldn't think about it again. I'd read all like the sick tweets. I'm like, yeah, all right, it's so good for your boy. confidence, right? And then yeah. I'd read, the, and then this year when I was playing poorly, I'd read the three bad ones and I'd be That's like, it. oh my yeah. God, I'm done. The career's <laughs> over. Like Rick from Stittsville says, I'm the worst player ever. I'm the career's <laughs> over, man. Like this is it. Rick from Stittsville. Uh, it's,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> it's funny how little the, uh, or how much, you read into the, the bad ones and then you let the, the good ones go. Exactly. You're like, I already know that, you know, it's, it's yeah. bad, it's toxic. And I had, I had a uh, Miss Wolan and trending on Twitter this year, because I said that in, a, in an interview, I said something like, uh, yeah, it's been a tough year and I had to get my mom off Twitter because my mom would send me like, she sent me a screenshot. Like it'd either be like, Will has been playing terrible. And she's like, do you know this guy? I'm like, no mom, I don't know this guy. <laughs> she sent me another one. Like, well, Anna deserves to be in the lineup. Like, what's going on here? And she'd send it be like, <laughs> yeah, I agree with this guy. I'm like, stop, mom. Like, <laughs> and,
1: no, and it's it's probably some anonymous account with, like, nine followers and, like, yeah. no, no avatar. And it's like, really? You're going to – but that's what our parents do, right? They don't really understand social media right. quite as well as we do. All
0: right. Yeah, it's,
1: it's too much. Right Hold on. on. Uh,
0: One question about Kucherov. So, there's been a thing about uh he's going to be the uh, – everybody's going to be upset in the league next year when they see him and he's going to be a target. Does any player care what he said post-game in a negative way? Like, I'm assuming Montreal would be the only guys that are upset or Marc-Andre Fleury. But really, as a league as a whole, do you guys really care?
2: You you might think about it. Like, I'm not going to carry it with me for the summer, and I'm not going to, like – I'm not going to target him next year if I see him. But, like, I saw him say on the boat yesterday, like, uh, we're the best in the world, baby. Like, he was pretty hammered. (laughs) But he's like, we're the best in the world, baby. We're – we're best in the world. Nobody can beat us back to back here. So like, obviously you're going to think about that next year. And if you, you sure. get a chance to hit him a little bit harder, you get the chance to beat him, You're going to be like, all right, well like job done for the day, but still they're back to back Stanley cup champs. Like yeah, there's not exactly. a lot of things you can say to dispute that. Right. So it's, yeah. I, I, they're having a blast, man. Like, I would do anything to win a Stanley cup. Um, if I had the yeah. chance to win a Stanley cup and be on a boat with the cup in my hands and get interviewed, I'm probably going to say some wild things. Like, do I get, do I get mad? No. But if I get the chance to hit him a little bit harder next year, maybe. Yeah. Like yeah. we're
0: all competitive, you know, it's. Have you touched the Stanley cup when your dad won it?
2: Yeah, but that doesn't count. I was sitting in it. I was like, I was less than, I think I was probably like a year and a half less than two years old. So no, I have a picture fine. like sitting in it, but you can't count that, right? <laughs> no, count <can't. laughs> that right, because if I can't win the cup because of that, I got to get pissed at my parents. No, it's
1: all—it's <laughs> all—it's all, it's all bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, come on, like you know the whole touching the Stanley Cup thing. It's—it's. It's, I mean, it's—it's it's fun and it's. It's a great talking point. It's entertaining. People like to, oh my god, he touched it. But really, I mean, let's be honest here. It has no bearing whatsoever on whether or not you're going to win the whole thing. But especially, you're a two year old sitting your ass in that thing. I don't see that being an issue either. I think you're fine, and you still have a really good opportunity to win. Yeah, I hope so. If you win it, will you do me a favor and recreate the photo? (laughs) Oh my god, (laughs) he's got to wear a diaper. (laughs)
2: Yeah. uh... It was uh, the picture of them like taking it out of uh, the, the harbor yesterday or the bay in Tampa. Yeah, if I sit in it like that, it might be bent again, it might Yeah. it back to repairs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's another thing, right? People are people are pissed off because there's apparently no respect for the Stanley Cup. What's your stance on that, Willie, as far as you know, celebrations go and the thing getting dinged up? And now let's make it one thing clear. That's just a replica, I believe, right? It's not the actual Hall of Fame Cup. Am I wrong?
2: I said that I said that to my dad yesterday because I asked him that exact question. He said it's a replica.
1: Okay, well there you go.
2: Yeah. So my opinion on that is: watch what. Go back if you're really fired up. Go back, watch whatever four or five nights ago when they hoisted on the ice, the emotion, the passion, the excitement, every positive feeling, and ask me if they respect that trophy or not. Yeah, they're celebrating. They're hammered. They're Drinking beers. There's a million people touching it. Accident, I, don't think exactly. they, I don't think they threw it off of the top of a building. I just think it was like an accident. So, yeah, I just yeah. I think it's just a stretch. People just like to complain. People just like to to get something going on the internet. It's easy to talk behind the computer, Agreed. behind
0: a phone. Screen, and, so. and this isn't the first time. Like, it's been damaged many times before. <laughs> they threw it in the Rideau Canal for crying out loud. Like, let's not act all holy that well, top is the first about- team to ever damage this. Just yeah, so we're clear. The- the ottawa senators won the president's trophy i believe it's the president's and not the prince of wales they broke the trophy and to this day i'm not sure if they've actually replaced the glass that goes in the president's trophy
1: never mind that what about the what what about the bodily fluids that end up in that thing i don't need to get into detail (laughs) but like people are drinking from it god knows what's been in that thing like yeah you know what i mean so anyway i won't get into detail we'll leave it at that it's been damaged before let's
0: go ahead i was gonna say it's been damaged before let's not pretend that this is the first time it's ever been damaged so anyway go on yeah, yeah. <laughs> um are you a video game guy
2: uh not in the summer no i i wow. was in, in in ottawa um just because it was freezing cold and i'm not gonna go outside and play in the snow
3: <laughs> you're uh, such an LA I'm guy. not really
2: like a, i'm not like a movie guy or like a show guy so like in the winter, like I want to do something where like my mind is still somewhat active. I know it's invested in a video game, but I'm still like on the mic with the boys, like chatting and having Great. fun. Like I can't do movies yeah. or shows because I just like get so bored and like I feel like I gotta be talking to someone or something.
1: Yeah. So what do you so do I, then I like when you're it not in, in
2: cold season? What, in the, what are you in doing? the summer? Yeah. I work out, skate, and golf as much as I can.
1: So you're doing that every single day? You're telling me you don't have any downtime at your house?
2: No, so at my house, if I'm, like, just sitting and hanging out, like, I'll, I'll like, try and just learn something new. Like, uh, I graduated two weeks ago, so prior to that, I've been taking Ah. um, two classes, or at minimum, two classes a semester since the moment I left school. Wow, Um, good for you. So I've just tried to, like... Cause well, I had my, I had my dad who tried to go back at like 35 years old. I had my uncle who um, played hockey for a little bit as well. He tried to go back or he did go back at like 40 something. And they just like, their advice to me was like, do it now. Because if you ever want to go back and do it, it's going to be hell. Like when you have yeah. kids and when you're an adult, right. he's like, Good just advice. chip away at it. And so I just slowly chipped away at it and uh, finally finished it uh, this, this past semester, the summer semester. And then like, like now, like for example, yesterday, um, I was like playing around on Robin hood. I obviously have a financial investor, but like that Robin hood, that investing app, I just like threw a hundred dollars into it. And like, just like tried to teach myself how to, how to invest like little things, gambling, like I'll just Gambling. Find a way to entertain myself.
0: Do you own GameStop? Is that what you're telling me?
2: No, but like, that's what kind of got me thinking about it. I'm like, all right, like yeah. I'm, I got these, my high school buddies who are, these are the same guys that like throw a hundred dollars on a, latvian tennis match at 4 a.m when they're drinking you know like <laughs> these are not the type of guys you want to follow but um they're like tell me about like amc and yep. uh, dogecoin and like all this stuff so i'm like i let's see what it's about so i just like i'm just like trying to learn i'm not an idiot i'm not gonna throw like half my 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 money in there and see what happens like i just like, yeah and teach myself little things like that, but Fair that's enough. funny.
0: My kid wants Dogecoin. He's like 14. I'm like stop this nonsense.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I invested in Dogecoin just to see what it was about. I think I'm down like, uh, like whatever. I invested like 10 bucks out of 100. I would like went up and down the thing just trying to learn. It's kind of entertaining, but at the same time, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I wouldn't recommend.
0: What are you going to do after hockey? Are you, are you going to be a coach? Are you going to stay in hockey? Are you going to be an investor? What are you going to do?
2: We'll see how, we'll see how good my career is. Um, I I don't want to, I I like to think that I'll be somewhere like, um, like on TV, like somewhere. But I think if I have a bad career, I know myself well enough to be like, I just don't want to be the guy that's like talking about like, myself like what I could have been you know like mm. I hate when there's I hate when there's guys on the panel that are like you know that they're a brutal coach or a brutal player talking like telling guys how bad they are I think it's sick when you have like a stud that's up there they're like saying like hey this guy's gonna make a better play you're like okay he knows because he did it like he would have made the better play but I don't want to be I don't want to be on the panel saying like this guy should have done this should have done this when I wasn't doing it either so that's fair uh, there's, we'll plenty, there's
1: plenty of people that never even played and do that Willie so you're already ahead of the game
2: all right all right so I We'll see. I, I want to obviously just play as long as I can possibly play. Um, it's the sickest job on earth waking yeah. up every day and getting to play hockey for a living. Yeah. Um, like I said, I feel like I prepared myself to this point pretty well for, for when it's all said and done with um, trying to to be well-connected and trying to be as personable as I can. And obviously I got the big piece of paper from, from North Dakota now. So Hopefully, uh, hopefully that can maybe come into play. I I, I really haven't given yeah. much much thought on trying to work on uh, being an NHL player for the moment.
0: And I think Gingles, that's pretty huge. Gingles, I, full, full, uh, congrats, full congrats, full congrats to getting a college degree because a lot of hockey players don't obviously they come out and just play and and to each his own. But the one thing I've always known about you and appreciated was how much you appreciated where you were, and I've never felt that you've ever taken the NHL or being a professional hockey player or any of that stuff for granted. And so. Does that come from your family upbringing and the way that you've been taught? Because it is something that you don't see all the time with NHL players. They kind of like, listen, I don't have time for you. I don't need to do this or I do that. It's not the same for you.
2: I appreciate that. Um, But I I just, I love the word loyalty. Like I coming out of college, I had every, I had, I could have gone to any school um, after my junior or any team in the NHL after my junior year. But Ottawa took a chance on me in my last year juniors. And they drafted me in the fourth round, even though it wasn't like a high pick. It was my third year of draft eligibility, but they took a chance on me. So, at zero point in my college career, was I ever not going to sign with Ottawa? Like I, I just love, like you said, just being loyal to the people that believed in me, and that's why I'm always giving credit to the coaches, to the to the people in my life that, because I'm not I'm not like a sure NHLer. I've never at any point in my life, even to this day right now, I've never been a sure thing NHLer. It's always been like. And it's not a sob story, but I've always had the hard route, so to speak. I've always yep. kind of been counted out and had to prove people wrong. So um, I just think it's it means a lot for for the people that are real and the people that are by my side through it all. And when I do have moments of success or um, times where things are going really well, I think it'd be foolish to turn my back and act like I did it alone um, because without the people that are there for me when times are tough, who knows if i get through it or who knows how i bounce back from whatever situation so I just think it's important just to to kind of be realistic about uh, the fact that not a lot of people make it to the NHL all by themselves not a lot of people live their dreams all by themselves mm-hmm. so just I just I just mention as much as I can because that's like the only way I can think of, of properly repaying them if I could if I could split up my salary and give everybody a little chunk I'd do that but then I'd uh, I'd be living on the street so I got to be smart about that
3: all my money <laughs> please make check payable
0: me. to the Wally and Method show <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, all
2: yeah, my money coin, so i can't be i can't be <laughs> handing it out sorry fellas
0: <laughs> so you should get your next contract to be paid in cryptocurrency um one know. one question i need to ask before i go on to some others is uh do you have if you're watching a movie a favorite cheat snack
2: i love candy like uh like gummy candy i don't like like chocolate um but like um you, you guys got like fuzzy peaches in canada yeah um, Swedish berries, like anything in that family, is good by me. Except for the ones that are like gummy on top and they have like the white bottoms. I think they're oh, like sharks man. or something like that in Canada. They'll, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Those, those like stink. Terrible.
2: But any any gummy like that or onrio like Haribo <laughs> or trolley or anything like that, I'll I'll eat those. That's fair. Yeah. I so can okay, appreciate if
0: that. If it's sitting around, will you just grab it?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. I got, I'm, I'm blessed where I have a, I have like a frame where like I can eat anything on earth and I don't get fat, but I also never, I'm like for like the last, I've been in the league for three or four years, whatever in the league. Um, and I've been getting told every year, you got to come back stronger. You got to come back heavier. And like, I come back stronger, but I never come back heavier. And I'm like, man, I'm crying. Like I'm eating as much gummies as I can. Like nothing's happening. For
1: yeah. Me. Well, don't, don't, don't listen to that too much. I, I can understand the stronger thing, but remember your strength. All jokes aside, your strength is your skating. If you go to camp, 20 pounds, 14 pounds heavier, whatever it is, it's going to affect your skating. I've experienced that in the past. I had to readjust. It basically burned a year off my career. So, be very careful with that. That's exact. That's exactly
2: what happened to me. My. Uh the year that I got hurt in camp. So it was actually lucky that I got hurt. Cause I might've had a worse year, um, <laughs> but uh, I was, I was like the strongest and thickest i had ever been. And I, so I like, I think I took like all of June off and I just worked out. So like, I wasn't sweating that much. So I was just huge, like strong big, and big. Yeah. And then mess. I got on the ice in July and I was full panic. I was like, what <laughs> happened? What how, did I how bad do? of
1: a feeling is that? Is oh. that like the worst? Like the anxiety I, you feel, you're like, camp's some two months away, and I feel like shit.
2: Right, and it, and like, it was like, I was like alright, that's one skate, and then my like, second skate came, because I went the next day, I'm like, I gotta figure this out. And I was yeah. still, like, big and fat, and I'm like, hold on, like, so I just shed it all, and I went back to Ottawa, and they're like, I thought you said that you were at 200. I'm like, yeah, I'm back to 185. Like, <laughs> I, panicked. <laughs> I panicked, I panicked, I couldn't do it. But,
1: nice. it, like, it's, nice.
2: like I said, like I'm I, I'm lucky where, like, if I need to shed it, I just, like, skate yeah. hard and it's gone and if i need to put it on then i grind a little bit but i'm finally at 26 years old and i think i'm like 195 probably for a long time yeah that's a good weight now yeah who is that f- go ahead i said i still feel like i can skate so that's a, a very nice yeah, exactly I
1: yeah maintain that uh roommates
0: when you were in ottawa who was your roommate on the road On the road, let's see. That's tough to think. Well, we had my rookie
2: year in Belleville. This is not on the road, but in Belleville, we had, we lived in the Quinty Bay old, like the Quinty Bay golf course old clubhouse. They turned it into a house. So it was like, imagine like you walk into a clubhouse, right? So it's like usually just like a small desk and then like a huge like floor with like shirts and golf balls and shoes and stuff like that. So that was turned into a house. So we had like, where the desk would have been was our stove. And then it was just like a huge open living room. And then like the bedrooms, of the, uh, the offices were turned into bedrooms. And then like downstairs was like another huge room where probably the locker room was. So if you imagine a golf clubhouse turned into a house, we had Schloppik, Batherson, Logan Brown, and myself living in there. That was an unbelievable experience. It was so <laughs> much fun. We were all playing really good. Granted, it was Belleville, but we were all playing really good hockey. And then we'd go home and play video games like the whole day Amazing. And, and then go like, well, we, we loved uh, Troy man too. So like, I still love Troy man, but we love playing yeah. for him too. So it was like, we just grind our asses off. Obviously the American league schedule, you're just playing on weekends and Wednesdays. Uh, so yep. we just grind our ass off at practice, like for whatever, three, four hours of the day, work out, do the proper thing. And then right when we get home, like candies and candies <laughs> and, and Fortnite for like hours, it was honestly one like, the funnest, of the funnest years of my entire life. Yep. And then like, I don't even know for road roommates because it feels like it's been so long because I missed the yeah. the year prior with my shoulder surgery. And then this past year, we had no roommates because of COVID. So it's been a uh, I, – I, I truthfully can't even remember. I was with Brady
0: for a little bit. I know that. Other than that, like, I, I can't think of it. Uh, do you have, a f- I guess, a favorite teammate in Ottawa? Who would be your, I don't know, good friend if there was one?
2: You know, I, I – this year was weird. It was basically whoever scratched. We spent a lot of time together, just with the taxi squad and skates like that. So like, Josh Brown and I worked together a lot. Um, Logan Brown and I, ever since we were roommates, um, my rookie year, we've been we've been best friends for for basically through it all. And obviously, I think I think you tend to gravitate towards guys who go towards the same or have like similar battles that they got to face. You know, because yeah. it's hard when, especially for me, I was up and down for a lot of my time in Ottawa. Rarely did I spend consistent amount of times up or down for that matter. Um, So like, it's just usually guys that are kind of grinding the same way you are, because it's tough. Mm -hmm. Like as much as I would love to be best friends with, with Chucky and Shabby, like you're like, all right, boys, I'm here for two weeks. I'm going back down for another two weeks. Like, you know, it's just like tough to maintain relationships, but I never, I never um, didn't get along with anybody, you know, like it was honestly, like I said, I, I planned on playing my career in Ottawa and a bunch of great guys. Like uh, I think the hardest part about, whole experience was like i know how good they're gonna be and, and like i said i wanted to, uh i wanted to be one of the guys that was drafted there grind the shitty days grind the the last place days and then you kind of get the rise ride to the top together but the way she goes and, and all my loyalties in la so
0: mm-hmm. so how tough was it saying goodbye when you got traded just business yeah it's, okay.
2: it's like i was like sad by myself I'm in my car driving back home and and stuff like that. But you just, that was what, probably one of 10 new guys in and out this year, you know? So you just say your goodbyes, wish them good luck. And I stay in touch with whoever, you know, on Instagram. And we live in an era where it's pretty easy just to slide up on a story and say what's up or say like whatever, thumbs up, whatever. So, uh, but yeah, it was just, just business.
0: Are you looking forward to going into the corners with Brady Kachuk or would you prefer he just take a dump and change kind of guy?
2: No, he'll bring it. He'll bring it. Um, you know, that's that's one thing I've always given Brady credit for. Um, uh, there's not many guys in the league who show up every single night like he does, and he might not be dangling or, or scoring a highlight real goal, but he's going to make your life hell as a defenseman, whether it be net front or in the corner um, or, or forechecking you, any anything along those lines. So uh, I know when I play against Ottawa, I'll have uh, I'll have to deal with seven for sixty minutes. That's for sure.
0: Uh, are you gonna learn to surf in LA?
2: Uh no, I'm scared of sharks. <laughs> uh, uh, what? I'm just uh, man, like I You're don't even. Michigan. I, I, uh, yeah, there's lakes. No sharks. Uh Al, Alex I follow is like a he's a he's a big surfer boy. Um and and he told me he's like, man, like they're out there all the time, like, but yes. they're not gonna touch you. Like they, he's like, they don't they don't give a shit about you. I'm like, I'm still not going. Like that was they they don't.
1: They don't give a shit about you, but there's this new, there was new footage now, eh? Cause they've been releasing a lot more drones off the coast. So I don't know if you guys have seen this, but they're realizing now that we are way more in close proximity to them than we realized previously. And so like, there's these shots, these high shots from drones where you can see like the silhouette of all these great whites and different, different species of sharks. And like the surfers are completely unaware of them. So, although I do agree it's like you're still kind of gambling because that one curious bite that it might do, it could be fatal, right? That, that scares me as well. Like, I don't know if I could do it out there, especially on that West coast. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm like, I was,
2: that was like my first thought when I got traded there, especially when I, so I played the three games, then only Mata came back from injury. And like the writing was on the wall that I was just not that I was like, I played poorly. They were just like, you know what? We need to try and push for playoffs. Like you're just going to be like taxi squad kind of the rest of the yeah. year. You know what? I'm in Cali versus being scratched in Ottawa. I'm going to just enjoy it. Go to the beach every day after practice. I got to go to the Staples center at night, but I can still go to the beach and and just try and smile a bit and enjoy life. And my first thought was like, I can't wait to learn to surf. And then I'm reading every single day, like about like the, the more footage that they're finding and like how often uh, sharks and surfers come into contact. I'm like, man like i'm not doing that like i'm not just taking that risk and yeah uh like i think the numbers are up like 18 like since last summer and they're supposed to continue to rise like i don't know it just doesn't scary
1: man yeah Yeah. i'm with you on that 100
2: i'll do one of those things on a cruise ship where they have like the uh, the water like yeah (laughs) i'll get my instagram
0: pic and then never surf again exactly exactly well done Do you have a, uh, almost time to let you go. Do you have a favorite city you'd like to visit that you haven't? Because I know you've been to some great places across the world. In the world? Yeah. Um, I'd
2: like to go to Greece. I think Greece Mm. has kind of always been my dream destination. Just from like seeing pictures, like you see Santorini and like, I, I actually don't know anything about Greece. I don't know if it's just one of those places that has unbelievable pictures and then you kind of like look in the inner city and it's not what you dream of. Yep. Um, but just based off of pictures, I'd say Greece is kind of every time I see a picture, I'm like, that's a destination sure. I'd like to see.
0: Fair enough. I'd like to go too. Um, Christian Wolan and we will always have a soft spot for you here and we can quickly make this the Wally and Wooly show. I think that has a great ring to it. Uh, yeah. We wish you all the best this summer and look forward to seeing you on the ice in the fall whenever that season gets underway. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Good Thanks, luck. Bro. Yeah. Thank you guys. All right, time for On the Points, brought to you by sportsinteraction.com slash Wally and Mathod. Sports Interaction is Canada's odds makers. Log on to sportsinteraction.com slash Wally and Mathod today. Get in on the action. And speaking of action, lots of Olympic things to wager on, of course. But, uh, Matt, they've rejigged the Stanley Cup odds after yesterday's hubbub of activity. Uh, has any of that changed your mind of who the Stanley Cup favorite is? And I will say, the top five right now, colorado tampa vegas toronto carolina
1: yeah i think well I, and this might not be a surprise to anybody and i wish i had something a little juicier to share but i still think colorado is right there i really do I, I, and and there hasn't is darcy been a
0: kemper of... the answer is darcy kemper going to take you he to might... the stanley cup final oh
1: i mean he might be i mean that team that team did so well i think they just they hit a roadblock they hit a hot team that was playing very good hockey and things just didn't work out for them. But I think that's the difference at the NHL level with so much parity in the NHL. And so I think with, and then they have just obviously re-signed Landeskog, which is huge. You get your captain back. Yeah. He's going to be motivated and happy. He's, he's clearly, I don't want to say the heart and soul of that team. Clearly McKinnon can make an argument there, but leadership is huge. It doesn't always show it on the ice you get a good signing out of him. He's finally back in the group. He obviously wanted to stay in Denver, but um, I just like that team. I love the makeup of it. And and, and I always go back to the conversations that I've had with some players that are still currently playing in the NHL. And they've always made comparisons to Colorado from when I played against those late two thousands red wings teams that were always so hard and fast to play against so incredibly skilled. I just think that, uh, you know, Colorado is on that level and, um, if I'm to put an early bet on any team, it would probably be on them. And I could be wrong, but yeah. just based yeah. off of what I saw and, and the little change that they've had to do over the summer, not having too many cap problems, I do like the makeup of that team. I just don't know who it is anymore. I know and, and, and I don't like answering the question, but I yeah. do but if I'm forced to come up with a pick Wally, it's Colorado Avalanche.
0: I'm gonna you know I'll go off the board and I think Boston has made their team better. Whoa. Uh, oh. I'm wow. concerned about their goaltending, but I think that they have a chance so, because of who those four guys are up front and right. Yeah. The big three and David. Yeah, right. I agree. I love, Taylor I Hall, love how, Nick, Nick Felino. Like that's a huge top six. Sorry. Go ahead. It is.
1: No, they made, they made some good picks and I love, I've always loved Boston's makeup and I like the way they play, but I also love that you pick a random team because I know what you're doing. Wally, you're picking a team. <laughs> you're picking a team that if surprisingly does <laughs> incredibly well then you look like nostradamus here and then i'm going with the no brainer and if yeah. they if they tank or something happens then i look like an idiot but i yeah. but i but but if you're wrong nobody remembers anything you just said so yeah, it's, it's it's literally a safe play that you're doing right now and that's fine we like to call those veteran moves in the <laughs> veteran play. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: okay, I got one other question. So Ottawa it sits tied for 26 to win the Stanley Cup uh, at ten at plus ten thousand. They're tied with San Jose, Columbus, and Anaheim. Which of those four teams do you think has
1: a better chance to win the Stanley Cup? Oh, I like well San Jose. Absolutely not. That team yeah. is a mess. It's a hot mess. I'm not even going to touch that team. I like Ottawa. Um, I know. You know, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Yeah. Uh, and I'm only, I'm only basing that off of the way they finished the year based off of the way they're progressing. Yeah. I would have to pick the Ottawa senators. I'm only concerned that they may not meet that expectation level early on. Like we're all expecting right now. Yeah. There's a lot of buzz. Everyone's got all of a sudden these high expectations. I think we need to remain realistic that they're still technically in that rebuild. I do think they're still very thin, on the back end to a degree Uh, and, and very thin is probably a stretch. I still think they're thin. I'll leave it at that. I think Pierre Dorian's done a great job with acquiring Delzato and Holden. I think those are good signings. They're, they're low risk, but uh, I don't think they're Stanley cup ready right now. I just don't in two to three years, perhaps I've maintained throughout the year that they will be better than the Toronto Maple Leafs in about three years from now. Yeah. I still stand by that. I know people lose I know the Toronto fan base, their their heads exploded when I said it. But I think now more than ever, I'm starting to look like I might be onto something. I don't think Ottawa's ready next season. I do think they're ready in a couple of years.
0: I I think they might be better than Toronto next year. And the only reason I say this. No way.
1: No. Are you nuts? Really? You think that? Well,
0: (laughs) one, I I don't like their goaltending. That is a hot
1: take, brother. I don't don't like like it. You don't like, wait, you don't like who's goaltending, Ottawa's or Toronto's?
0: Toronto's. I don't like
1: Campbell and Marazic. And, and, and as, as Ottawa's goaltending proven to you, that we're ready to make a push either. No, but Ottawa's not called
0: a Stanley cup contender either. And two, they just lost. And I, right. Forgive me. Zach Hyman is not the greatest winger in the history of the NHL, despite what everybody may think. I'm agreeing with you. Very, but but that's not the
1: question. The question is you think that Ottawa is going to be better than Toronto next year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is a hot take, but you know what Wally? I'm not even going to chirp you because I like it. I like that you're bold. And I'm still waiting for a legitimate reason, though, to back your your argument. Well, I don't like their blue line and their goaltending. Their blue line – you don't think their blue line is better than ours?
0: I didn't say that. I just said I don't like it. And so until they – I I just don't think that they have all the pieces put together that they work cohesively. I think Ottawa plays better as a team.
1: Yeah, but – uh, Toronto finished first place in the North division. I
0: understand, but,
1: but none of that matters going into the next season. I agree.
0: I agree. But again, they went to a
1: cup final. I'm agreeing with you, but as media people or whatever figures, yeah. you have to base these decisions off of what you've <laughs> just most recently seen. Right. And if you're looking at that, we're talking about a team that made the playoffs and finished first in their division and a yeah. team that didn't come close. So, okay.
0: but here, but, there has to be change. Every year there's change, every year Teams I'm a, surprise yeah, hey, to come up. And I and, hope I'm wrong. I and every time we give I'm out wrong. a contract, they give out a contract based on what's ahead and not what's behind. So yeah. I'm going to say That's fair. That, that Ottawa will be close then if they don't if they aren't better they're close to Toronto next year. So where
1: do you think Wally and this is not I'm not attacking you anymore. Yeah. Where yeah, do you no, think they'll Do you think do you think they're a legitimate playoff like maybe not legitimate. Do you think they have a legitimate chance to finish in that 8 yeah. or 7 spot?
0: Yeah, it's tough because you never like there's injuries and all that stuff that plays. out. I know, and
1: like we're talking about like the Atlantic right now, right? So, right. if they go back to the old structure, which they are, Tampa, you look at Boston, the teams: Florida, Toronto. Like, I get that. That's even a, Montreal, like they're they're not going to be a walkover, and no. the Isle the Islanders, like the Rangers, well, Rangers. I mean, you know, it looks like Philadelphia has added an entire new roster. I, that's what we'll I'm see saying. That I think up. people people are people can't or forget that we division, were playing sorry. in a very a very shitty division last year. Yeah. It wasn't as bad as we all thought it was, maybe, but it wasn't good. No. Now you're gonna see them play and lined up in a legitimate conference with some very good teams. And everyone's chomping at the bit to get in. So I, I just like I said earlier, it's good to have high expectations, but we have to be realistic. I'll yeah, leave it at I, that.
0: Like, it's not a playoff team, but Toronto, just you you never know if they're going off the cliff, as Brian Burke used to put it. Yeah, and I, and I, and I, I talk about compete.
1: Right. Ottawa's compete level under DJ Smith is legit, and I'll yes. have to give Ottawa that. Ottawa's problem isn't a coaching problem. It's not a general manager problem. It's a personnel issue, and it's a growth issue, right? So right. it's a young team where, look at the average age of that top line. Like, that's that it's gives you an idea where... Yeah. Exactly. And so... <laughs> If like I said, and, and I really I firmly believe this. If Matt Murray can play like Matt Murray can play, we're gonna see a playoff team here. I think I think we will. You're gonna to have to have some exceptional play out of that back end. You got to figure something out. You need Holden and Delzado to be really good. You need Brandstrom to progress.
0: I don't I'm think sorry. he's
1: gonna be here. I'm sorry, I'm agreeing with you. And I know there's a like Ottawa, the fan base, a lot of the fan base has a love affair with, with Brandstrom. Yeah. And I'm okay with that because I've seen some shades of good play with him. But I mean, I'm, I'm looking at these playoffs and the heavy play that we've seen here. And I'm having a hard time seeing more than a couple skilled, smaller guys on the same team on that back end. I, that's just how I feel. Yeah. I know that can be contentious around some people. But if I'm looking at the playoffs right now, like, you know, you see a team like Boston where they sign a player like Four like big guys that are heavy to play against. That's what you need, man. I'm telling you. So we'll see how this plays out. I don't have a crystal ball. I can only tell you from experience that I do like what they did on the back end, but if Ottawa is going to be a playoff team, they need good goaltending and that's going to be the key. Yep. And I think they get it. Like I I I think yeah. Matt Murray I hope so.
0: motivated I, enough. I agree.
1: It. I hope so. All
0: right. Uh I don't know what just happened because I picked somehow the Ottawa Senators would be better than Toronto Maple uh, <laughs> <laughs> Those are our you know what we need a vacation. Those are our picks. Now go make yours at sportsnetsportsinteraction.com/walilyMehod. Inter- sports Interaction is Canada's odds makers. All right, more hot takes coming as we go, three for three with meth. Uh, brought to you by Faces Magazine. Check out their latest issue at facesmag.ca. Plus, on the website, more sense coverage, including an article on newest draft pick, Tyler Boucher, uh, facesmag.ca. Okay, Meth. Uh, here we go. More sense stuff. So, who will be Ottawa's second line center by season's end? Now, we'll just go with what we've got, we know so far. So, is, sure. is it White, Pinto, Chris Tierney, or
1: TBD? Well, I think all of us would like it to be TBD Mm -hmm. right now, at least to start the year. But unfortunately, it's not that easy to just go find a top two centerman in the league. So you got to give the team a little bit of leeway there. For me, ideally, a guy like White will be unquestionably your second-line center right now, right? I think ideally, based off of what he's making and where his game should be, I'm hoping that he's going to make some strides over the summer, get his mind right, come into camp, have a really good camp, establish himself as a second-line centerman, and that's where he's going to be. Do I believe long-term that he's the answer there? No, I don't. I really don't. I think that Pinto has an opportunity there at some point, but I also think Shane Pinto is going to start in the American League. If you're starting in the American League, that's a pretty tough transition on a competitive team to jump into and just take on that second-line role. So that leads me back to my original Uh, thought process here and it's I just don't know I think I think you're going to see Ottawa make an effort make a push to have White be that second line center off the bat only because you have to give him that opportunity he's making four and a half plus a year 4.7 whatever it is he needs to try you need to try to get him there and the team likes him so it's not like you have an issue where well he's an okay guy and he's a victim of his old deal no he's a good dude in the team that's huge when you're making yeah and I can't say this enough I know people get sick of it, but you need good people in the dressing room, likable players. He's a likable guy that guys like to have fun with. That's a guy that you need to make work. So I'm going to go with white only because I want to be a fan of his. I want to cheer him on and see him succeed.
0: Okay. Here's the, I'm going to throw a wrench into that question and go off. Please here. do please if do the team is not in a playoff contending spot at the end of the year do they switch and they give like Shane Pinto ice time oh, yeah. center, right? Is, you're going to see it for a sure. yeah.
1: yeah. Oh yeah. And, and it may not be Pinto. It could be somebody else, but anytime a team kind of falls off a little bit and you, you realize at some point during that year, okay, you know what you are. We are what we are. And there are, there are numbers in the NHL to prove that by a certain yeah. point, if you don't have X amount of points at that point, then you can start shuffling around and trying to figure out what the right combinations are and plan for the next season. A lot like they did last year, right? They played with the lines a little bit. They were able to give themselves some experiments. They were able to take some risks. Of course, DJ always wanted to win and played to win. But I think as a GM, sometimes you're going to step in, you're going to make some, uh, you're going to try to maybe give your two cents and, and try to influence a couple moves only to plan ahead for. And so I think you're going to see that. But for now, starting from training camp, I honestly think you're going to have a guy like White up there in that second slot. You're going to give Pinto an opportunity for sure. And you're going to give him a long look, but you got to be really careful with these young players. You don't want to bring them up too quickly. I've seen it. You've seen a Wally where you try to groom up a player here a little too fast and they fizzle really quickly. Yep. It gets overwhelming for them. So Shane Pinto, even a guy like JBD on the back end. I think you start both those players in the American league, make them earn it, make them earn that spot in the NHL with some good play down there on the farm, get some confidence you don't need to rush them. You're still technically rebuilding. I think if you, if you, you groom these players up properly, you've got some excellent coaching down there on the farm. They're going to be in good hands and they're nearby.
0: You know what? That's the old Detroit model, right? Of always leaving guys in the minors and never rushing them up. It seemed to work pretty good for them. So yeah, it did. Uh, I agree. the one thing you brought up was, you know, at a certain point, typically if your team's going to be okay or how yeah. they're going to play out the rest of the year, except yeah. I'll go back to 2015, and the hamburger run because you guys had no business. <laughs> ah, you can't
1: bring that up. That listen <laughs> You guys should have. You were dead. A, that's an outlier. No that's yeah. an anomaly. I, I don't think that. I mean, it's it's a great story, yeah. and understandably so, it got a ton of attention. But I mean, but, come on. You know, game, not every not that, every team has a hamburger okay? It, but is that the
0: if you're the GM though? Do you go? Well, look, it's happened in the past. I don't want to throw in the towel just yet. No, I'm going to hang on a little longer.
1: Okay, but that, that's something that you, you also can't really plan for, right? And right. it certainly isn't a, a, a benchmark of where your team is at moving forward. So let's say you happen to have a really good year. You get a hamburger a esque type of run. That doesn't necessarily give you an idea of where your team's at, right? I think as far as depth goes, these things will happen. Montreal's another good example of that, right? Carey yeah. Price just catches fire. He's yeah. an excellent goaltender. He's a world-class goalie, but he caught fire, right? And look at what happens to the team. Does that mean that that team is going to be making that conference final again next year? Probably not. Tampa was a good example of a team that you knew where they were at. We know not only are they Stanley Cup champions going into this past year, but they also had they were also favored to win again because they are that good. So you can't let that get away from you. You have to understand this is who we are. You have to give yourself a good, hard, honest look. Look at your goaltending and your back end. You start there. Can we, can we compete with the, you know, with X, Y, and Z in the playoffs? Sure. Okay. We can compete with them there. Can we score goals? Then you analyze your top lines and then you analyze your role lines. How's your special teams doing? There's a long process involved, a lot of analytics involved. And so if you're going to be honest with yourself, you're going to give yourself the best chance to win in the long run.
0: All right. Uh, speaking of looking at the future rookie of the year, who will finish next season as the Sens top rookie JBD Shane Pinto, Parker Kelly, your favorite, or mine, Igor Sokolov.
1: Yeah, I. I it, it, so if I had a choice here, first of all, and, and these are all great guys, um, but Sokolov, just based off of our bias <laughs> of him being involved with the show, and I just love his attitude, man. It's not He's not goofy. He's just a good, funny guy, a good yeah. dude to have, and he has a good work ethic. He's made some serious strides. I'd love to see Igor be that dark horse that comes out of nowhere and has a really good season with the Ottawa Senators. But when you look at the depth of the lineup right now, and I hate saying depth because I don't think they're really that deep, but when you look at the lineup, Igor's in a position and I've been there where he's going to have to go to camp. I always talk about this and you have to make it a point, not just to be on par with one of those fourth line guys. You have to be light years better than them performance wise in those exhibition games in practice, be sharp. All your passes are on the tape. Play like the player you know you are. And then more importantly, in those games, you have to be that much better than all those other players on that fourth line. You just have to be. You have to put the team in a very tough spot where they have no choice but to keep you on board. I did that when I was in Columbus. I made it a point my last year finally coming out of that uh, uh, my, uh, my entry-level deal that I'm like, okay, I'm not going to give them any choice here. I'm going to make this team. And I made the mistake the year prior of thinking I was just going to make it, you know, and it didn't work out that way. So between those players, there's opportunity. There's some good young guys here. JBD, Pinto, uh, Parker Kelly's a bit of a long shot. I think I do like the player. I do want him to play in the lineup based off of how he plays. But if I have to pick only as a favorite, I'll go with Sokolov. I do think, <laughs> I do think a player like JBD or Pinto have a better opportunity of being that yeah. top rookie. But as a favorite, I'm going to go with Sokolov.
0: Well, I'm worried that Igor's probably watching the show. And if I pick somebody else, he won't speak to us again. So I will pick <laughs> Igor, but I I think Sharkaloff does it. But I there's, you know, Shane Pinto is always I I think highly of Shane Pinto having watched him play and just seeing him Same here. in that small sample size last year. Uh, yeah. I think he has an inside shot. All right. Yeah. Uh, sure. Finally, sends leading score. So who leads the team in scoring next season? Keep in mind Brady Kachuk has done it the each of the last two seasons, but I'll give you Thomas Shabbat. Tim Stutzla, Drake Batherson. You can pick somebody else, but I figured those were probably the top four. Um, They haven't had, you got to go back to like Eric Carlson the last time they had like a 70 or 80 point score to lead the team and score it.
1: Yeah, but that's always a bad thing, right? I think in this group, you're going to get some balanced scoring by committee, which is always a good recipe for the postseason, of course. We saw that issue happening with Toronto and how they relied so much on that top line and then they go silent in the postseason and then team sucks. So I think it comes down to Kachuk. I think with Brady Kachuk, you've got a guy now who's proven. Uh, I would like to see a step forward in a player like, like Tim Stutzla where I do believe his ceiling is higher as far as goal scoring goes. Sure. Brady is just Brady is the man. We can all agree on this. He's the guy that is almost the heartbeat of that team. And you know, he's going to lead by example, but I'd love to see a player like even like a player like Batherson, but particularly a guy like Stutzler, who's incredibly young, still take that step forward where he can turn into a 30 goal plus player. But right now I don't see that happening. Sure. And with the way that top line is running with Norris and Kachuk and Batherson and how the, how well they complement each other. If you're going to ask me an honest question and, who I believe to be the top scorer next year, I'm probably gonna go with Kachuk because he's just gonna stand there in front of your opposition's goaltender and he's gonna get not only all those dirty goals that are a no-brainer for him, but he's gonna he's gonna contribute otherwise with the odd nice, you know, nice goal with creative goal. But those dirty goals are consistently always gonna be there. You got to go with Kachuk.
0: I'm, I'm gonna go with Thomas Shabbat. And the only reason is he's just gonna get the Wait, assist. wait, wait, wait.
1: The question was a goal scorer or a point player here. Point player, leading scorer. Okay, sorry. Well, I answered that question as a goal scorer. I still think – I'm still going to go with Brady, though, I guess. But Thomas Shabbat has a good opportunity with all those apples that he can get. Well, I'm that's with you what I'm that.
0: thinking. So just yeah. because I think their power play will be better with the guys just being a year older and banking in yeah. just stupid rebounds from shots from the point. So uh, yeah. I'm going to see, see – Tom-
1: Yeah, the question was who is your leading scorer, and I attributed that to goals. But a point but he- player – yeah, if you can't
0: you. read, it's not my fault.
1: <laughs> all good. It's all good. I'm not. They
0: kidding. don't say, "Hey, well, this is the leading point scorer in the National Hockey League." They say, welcome tonight. Here's Connor McDavid, the leading
1: scorer. <laughs> I'm not. Okay. Yeah, I'm, you know, you know, I'm right. I still think it doesn't matter. It, okay, so you've got Shabbat. I've <laughs> yeah. got Brady. We'll stick yeah. to our picks.
0: Okay. uh Rookie of all the year. Right. You've got Sokolov. I'll take Pinto. And second line center is you, is TBD, and I'll take pin. I got white. No, I got All white. I got I'll white. Give you All right. Yeah. Uh, that's three for three, brought to you by Faces Magazine. Go to facesmag.ca. Check out the latest issue, of course. As you know, Nick Paul, friend of the show, is on this month's cover. All right. Uh, I got to welcome in Craig. And uh, as I do that, I've been this whole entire show going, there's something that's off. And I just realized what it is. In the last show, Darren Drager and I wore the same shirt and basically you and i are doing the same thing again craig welcome hey what's going on guys this is a good one today lots yeah, to talk about good.
4: holy smokes for a July. Yeah,
1: free agency will do that
4: yeah, yeah 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 so no we definitely went a little long on headlines and stuff but i think if there's a day you're going to do it i think it might be the day after free agency opens so yeah agree. uh yeah nice nice show today there boys
0: yeah, I like. Yeah, I. You could probably talk for days about what's transpired. I, w- I. This has been one of the busier free agent frenzies that I can remember, and it's the first time I've never actually worked one. But it, it like it didn't stop for a long time yesterday.
4: Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool because there's been a lot of duds lately, like yeah. tra- trade deadlines, or and then nothing really happens. Like there's your show right there. It was yesterday trades yeah. and yeah. signings and everybody pretty much did something right so uh everybody's got something to talk about today so yeah that, that was a good one um for sure I, I think uh you guys you guys brought a lot of good stuff there headlines talking about um kind of the goalies and everything that was fun and, and then i love anytime anyone gets bold and predicts ottawa's gonna be better than toronto <laughs> i'm a big fan of that so yes i will probably post that on social media at some point oh, should have had more coffee before we started this man, show if you're gonna say it we got it we got to get it out. yeah there. so yeah man, I, nice work today boys so regret my decision. I like it, but uh, you know what? You won't regret is uh, giving away some uh, some food again today. So we uh, for trivia today we got to wrap up things with uh, Naples. So they uh, they've been they've been great. They've been hooking us up with some uh, fifty dollar gift certificates to give away. Uh, check them out. They're they're a fabulous Italian restaurant in the heart of I'll Check them out at napoliscafe.com. Uh And we got a little uh, gift gift certificate uh, gift certificate to give away uh, from our question, which was um, how many top ten draft picks have the ottawa senators had the answer is 13 with the latest being uh tyler boucher so congrats to at eric underscore 7117 you've scored yourself a 50 gift uh, gift certificate to napoli's cafe in stitzville so shout okay. out for that keep an eye on your dms coming, coming so ahead.
0: we're gonna take a bit of a break uh oh also like to remember uh napoli's by the way the greatest column area i think i've ever had um anyway, that's all I wanted to throw in there because it was really good the other day is uh, we're going to take a break for like a month and come back. I think just around September the 2nd, do either one of you have any uh, other than hanging out with me the entire time, any other vacation plans? No, not really.
1: I think cottage for me a little bit if I can, but it's so hard with the young kids that I think we're going to be doing a lot more day trips versus overnights, but uh, otherwise just relax, maybe golf a little bit now for a change. Wally, what do you think?
4: We should all get out for a little bit of a game. Here and there. Uh, man, I, haven't I haven't seen
1: played. Craig. I haven't seen Craig play. I want to see what Craig's games like.
4: I've played. I played Thunderbird the night, co- like the night course. I have played that twice this year, and that's it. The, the part three, <laughs> nine holes, or whatever. Oh, I, and I'm playing okay, swinging okay, but I haven't played on Good. an actual golf course in probably two years.
1: Yeah. So I gotta yeah. get
4: out. I gotta get out, boys. There this, you go. This, this show has uh, made it a oh. little trickier to find the weekdays to do so. But uh, I honestly, forgot to
1: add. Uh, I'm going to Mark Stone's wedding at the end of August. Oh yes. So that'll yeah. be in Vegas. Uh, we're yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, so that is be, the one thing I'm looking forward to.
0: So I, can I be your plus one?
1: Uh, absolutely not.
0: <laughs> I love Vegas. Vegas is the best city.
1: It is. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> but uh, it'll be interesting for me, though, because I'll I'll be experiencing it in a different light now. Right. Like now that I'm going with my wife and now with a bunch of players, it's going to be a lot different. Yeah. So we're going to be doing so you're, shows. Saying you're not going to have fun. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? But I. I'm not a big drinker. Like I like casual, you know, a beer, a couple beers here and there or some wine, but I'm not a big drinker or like, so for me to, to be able to go there and get a normal sleep and not want to frigging die on the way home on the airplane is going to be a nice welcoming change. <laughs> so, you know, going to like a show, Celine Dion or whatever's going on there and maybe hitting a couple gun ranges and firing off some, some guns and doing some fun day trips. I think that's what I'm looking forward to, believe it or not.
0: Okay. You probably had 95 shows to pick from, and you went straight to Celine Dion.
1: What are the, I don't even know what the shows are there right now. I haven't even looked. I have, in fairness, she's a national treasure, so I'm gonna pick Celine Dion for now <laughs> until I find out who else is performing, and then I'll make my decision there.
0: Well, maybe Br- I'm sure Brady Kachuk will be at the wedding. Maybe Adele's playing, and you two can go see Adele concert. There you go.
4: What about you? What do you, what do you got planned for?
0: August? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. My daughter turns 16 today and then, uh, so nice. uh, it's a full day of that, but probably, I think we might go to Tromblon at some point just to try and get out for a bit. Like as a guy that used to spend 150 days a year on the road and in hotels, I haven't been in a hotel since February of last year. So same. Uh, it's been, yeah. So I just like to get out a bit and just see something different. So I'll probably do that for a bit. Nice. Uh, good. Before we go, I just want to take a quick, we've done, now this is our 42nd show, which is amazing for all that we've done in five months. Uh, And we couldn't do it without, you know, Barhaven Ford and Faces and Whitewater and Sports Interaction and Gong Show and Bonesaw um, and Napolis. All these people have done a whole lot of work to help us get to where we are. So I just want to reach out and say thank you to all them. And to you guys, uh, it's been phenomenal to get through this. We're going to come back in September with some amazing shows. We have some guests lined up to do all that. Uh, don't forget, if you want to buy some merch, uh, go to gongshow.com. They've got a great collection there for us. Also, our golf tournament coming up September the 10th, brought to you by Giovanni's. That'll be a good time at the Canadian. Uh, lots of prizes will be there. Uh, Matthew, you're supposed to look a bunch of players up and ask for a whole bunch of stuff from them. Um, thanks to Christian Melanin for stopping by in the show, and we uh, will see you guys in September. But for now, that's the Wally Show, powered by Barhaven Ford. Time for us to drive on out of here and into summer vacation. See you, everybody.
1: See you, guys.